Blog Talk Radio. during the day, hasn't it? I think so. You know what, you guys? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, or whatever you guys are doing. If you're out there shopping, you're out there getting your, uh, your um, I don't know what you guys are doing, cooking, whatever you're doing for the holidays. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Today, we have a really interesting show. I uh, hope you guys uh, really uh not only listen to this show today, but that you take this show and begin to, you know, I hope you guys take this particular show and pass it around to people and ask other people to listen to this show. It is a a really a good show. I've been waiting for a minute to talk with uh, Michael Silas. Um, Michael Silas uh, is a young man who has been in the uh, prison system. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on for over 30 years for a crime that he has said he did not uh, commit. And so it is a very interesting case, a very interesting story. What's really interesting about it, and the reason why today I call it the curious case of Michael Silas and everything, is because the the two other co-defendants that were with him on this case, everyone is out of, of, of jail, including the alleged shooter. But Michael still sits in uh, in jail. So we definitely want to talk to him today and hear his story. I can't wait for you guys to hear that a little bit later on. Okay, so how is my week been? Jesus, you know, guys, oh, my God, it's been a blessed week. I'm serious. It's been really good. Hell, shit, I've had a great week. <laughs> my week, um, I was nervous because, you know, I, I, I was, I, you know, I was telling y'all I thought I got straight A's, right? I was like, okay, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I still wasn't for sure. And as of yesterday, right, my teacher, the one teacher, which is my sewing teacher, my classroom design class, and I was like, because that's the class where I was like, oh, God, please. You know, because, hey, it could easily have been a B. <laughs> right? So I was like. Oh my gosh, this is my first time. This will be my first time ever having straight A's. So I was like, please let this be. And so as of yesterday, she put the final grade in. 
I was still averaging an A in the class, so I have I have gotten straight A's this semester. I'm so proud of myself. Yay! <laughs> so I couldn't wait to share that with you guys. One, what do I say? One down, two semesters to go, and I've done. I've gotten my bachelor's degree in theater, so y'all pray for me and pray that I continue going because y'all know, y'all know it's hard for a sister out here in these streets. Okay, I've been really, I'm, I'm close. I'm so close, I can sniff it. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Uh, what else has been going on in my week? Uh, my week is really, it's been really good. You know, uh, I was supposed to go to, I'm supposed to go home early this week. And, you know, I, I always get these. I don't know what's going on with me lately, but I had this this energy where I was like, you know what? I think I need to, I'm going to wait. Normally I go home early, like, you know, to Kansas City and I'm there like a couple of weeks early or something. But this time I decided not to, and I decided to go, I canceled my flight and I decided to go, you know, um, on Christmas week. So I'm excited because I had so much to do and I was so tired. Y'all know how you, like, I was really tired after my finals. I was tired. I was, I was worn out. Y'all remember last week when I gave y'all the show. I was like, I was tired during that show. So um, I decided to wait and I'll be home this week. I can't wait. I'm excited. You guys should get another show. Hopefully we'll have another show before Christmas, but it's not happy holidays, but hopefully we'll have one during the week for you guys. Uh, for uh, to before the week uh, during the week uh, before Christmas, I mean before the week of Christmas for the show. Okay, so there should be another podcast. Okay, all right. Also this week we are going to get into celebrity news and celebrity gossip and all of those things, and uh, we're going to be talking pop culture and the news right after I do this interview today. So it is a regularly scheduled show. We just we just have a guest today. So. I want you guys to know, because I know some of you guys come in and you're like, when are we going to talk about the hot topics and stuff like that? We have serious business up front with this interview that I want you guys all to hear. Because you know what? Life is such a strange thing. We could easily, it could easily be any one of us in a situation like this, right? So I I really think it's uh it's imperative for you guys to hear this young man's story today. And um, and a lot of you know people like this. We know people. How many stories have we heard in the prison system like this? Tons of stories, tons of stories. And a lot of times there are people caught up in the system that don't have support and don't have a place to tell uh, their story. Uh, so I am so glad to give uh, Michael this platform today to share his story with you guys, and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But meanwhile, it is time. Oh, wait a minute. What was I supposed to talk It was something else I was going to talk to you guys about. Or let's see what, where we at on time. Okay. So we're going to talk about love. I watched Love After Lockup last night. Oh, my God. I kept falling asleep because it was late, right? So good. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to play some clips. I'm going to tell you guys what I think about that because I know some of you have been asking me, what do you think about Love After Lockup? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Secession had its finale last week. Did I talk about Secession's finale last week on the show? I'm not sure if I did because I'm not sure if I've watched it. Secession's finale, okay? Uh, Secession's finale was very good. If you guys haven't seen Secession's finale, I don't want to spoil it for you. So I'm not going to talk much about it, but let's just say this is Secession's best season yet. 
I mean, I feel like they have evolved. This family is evolving as crazy as they are. I mean, it's about, if you don't know what Secession is about, it's one of the shows I talk about on the show. Uh, I talk about Secession is about this wealthy family. It comes on HBO. It's about this wealthy family who is, fine for the throne to run their fathers. Their father's getting older, but he's still very much vibrant and running the company. But everybody is vying for the throne. You know, and it's interesting how this family goes towards trying to uh, wrestle uh, the reins of power out of their father's hands. So it's, it's such an interesting story. It's such a good story, and it's such a picture to me of, of – of some wealthy families that, you know, the possibility of some wealthy families in the United States. We run companies and businesses and stuff like that. So if you guys have not seen Secession, I cannot say enough about it. The season finale, dope as fuck, okay? It was dope, okay? So definitely watch it. Uh, Also, um, what else? Power, was it Power Ghost? I have been watching Power Ghost. Excuse me, guys. Last week, very interesting turn of events, okay, <laughs> with Monet and, and, and all the situations, the new man in her life, and Tyreek is starting to get into, Tyreek is seeming like old Tyreek to me, and I'm kind of getting mad at that. I want Courtney to, to up his game a little bit, but he, he's reminding me of old Tyreek and some of the stuff. But Tyreek is kind of like not the dumb one in this thing. To me, it's Kane. Kane has been making the dumb mistakes. And Tyreek has come along and tried to clean it up for him. But you know how that goes with Tyreek, right? So you guys, power, I'm not going to spoil that for you guys either until next week. Then I will probably, during the week next week, I'll probably talk more about power to ghosts and give y'all a chance to see it because tonight the other one's coming on. I normally spoil it for y'all. <clears throat> but I'm not going to spoil it this time because I want y'all to get a chance to uh, check that out and check uh and, and check it out. So those are the shows that y'all normally ask me about, and y'all ask me about what, what did I think of them, everything. Inter- I mean, power to interesting. People this week, I was laughing because I kept seeing memes on social media talking about Monet, Mary J. Blige, <laughs> having one one uh, expression <laughs> throughout her, her acting time on Power Goat. And a lot of you were talking about Mary J's acting. Listen, I feel like Monet is supposed to be a character that doesn't express a lot of emotions. I understand what you guys mean. It was hilarious because they had a meme where they had her doing several different things, happy, sad, horny, uh, angry, and all of them were the same expression. (laughs) And you know what? Here's my thing. I have said this before. Uh, while I think Monet is an, an, is an emotionalist character because of the things that she grew up in and the way she grew up, I also think that Mary J. Blige has got to, sometimes it's so hard to be a superstar singer and to come in and take on a role, like a, a regular role, like she's doing every week, and to break out of the idea that you're Mary J. Blige, you know, there is a, that's one of, I think, Beyonce's biggest problems is that she's very conscious of being Beyonce. But as an actress, you can't be conscious. You can't, you, you, you have to, when you're playing that character, you use your body, your tone, and everything 
but you lose consciousness of your, in a sense of yourself, and you become this character. And I really feel that's what Mary J. Blige has to do. She has to be comfortable with love scenes. She's got to get comfortable with kissing people. She had such an awkward kiss on screen the other week. I was like, seriously, Mary, are you going to give me that? (laughs) I mean, it was really awkward. So if she's going to play the role of Monet, I'm going to need her. If she's going to be an actress, right? And, you know, acting is a better gig right now for these singers out here, right? Because they get checks checks every week, right? You know, the music business, y'all don't buy too much of of music anymore. But if she's going to dive into being, if she's going to dive into being Monet, she is going to have to give us, she's going to have to give, she's going to have to get them acting chops together. She's going to have to give us a whole lot more. Okay. So I agree with y'all. I do agree with y'all, but I do understand that there is an uncomfortableness there too. I didn't think Mary J. Blige, remember she got nominated for an Academy Award. Y'all, y'all don't remember that for MUD? I saw the same thing in MUD. I was actually surprised she got nominated. It wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't dissing her. She did a very good job, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was, I was like an Oscar. <laughs> but <clears throat> Mary does have to break out of being Mary J. She's got to be comfortable with being an actress. And being an actress, you've got to understand that when you're kissing a person in the scene, we need you to have a kiss. When you're, <laughs> when you're, when you're, when you're, when you've had a sexual liaison with some your your lover who's in jail, we need you to show that. You know what I'm saying? So I get what y'all saying in the complaints about Mary J. Okay, let's just give her some time, and hopefully, as the season goes on, Mary J. Get, gets better with it. Okay. All right. So y'all know every week on the show we do it's a word. Okay, it's a word is basically. A word I give for the week, maybe something that I went through this week that you guys, that I learned or something like that, some of the trials and good things and bad things I go through, and hopefully I, I try to use it or say something to you guys that hopefully you can use it too. And sometimes it's just a quote or something that I found. So this week it's a quote, and I feel like it's fitting. And uh, this week it's a word is, the unthankful heart discovers no mercy but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. And that quote's from Henry Ward Beecher, okay? So this week it says, the unthankful heart discovers no mercy, but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessings, okay? So find a reason to be thankful this week. Find a reason to have gratitude. I know in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the holidays, we get so caught up and we get so we. You know, we get all into our things, but try to find a moment, a moment of solitude and just be thankful for what you have. And I think today when you guys hear his story, Michael's story, you're going to be even more thankful for having family, getting to have family around the table this year, getting to have loved ones and talk to people and stuff like that, you know, that you love on a regular basis. Finding little things. Finding something out here to be thankful and grateful about. Because sometimes I forget that. You know, sometimes I'll be in my mood. Like, I'll be, you know, so busy that sometimes I forget to be thankful. And I forget that, you know, wow, the the so many graces and mercies, okay? So that's why I say, that's why I love this quote where it says, but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessing. So when you're thankful for where you're at in life, no matter where it's at, even if it's, if you end up the most craziest space, if you can find one little thing, one thing to be thankful about, if you're conscious, 
be thankful about that. If you're breathing, be thankful about that because if you got breath, you got another chance, right? Right? Right, y'all? So be thankful today. Have that thankful heart so you can recognize the mercy and the grace in your life, okay? So that's my it's a word. It's as simple as that, baby, okay? All right. So, you guys, I am getting ready to go. The time, I'm watching my time, you guys, because I have a certain amount of time. Today, this is a, a different interview, so we're I'm looking at my time a little bit differently, you guys. You know, normally I would go a little longer with y'all with it's a word. So we're going to get into um, getting to the music. Y'all know. Y'all know it's Christmas time, right? Y'all know how I be feeling at Christmas time, right? Y'all know I love you Christmas music, okay? Y'all know how I feel about it. It's Christmas time. So we go, we're going to play a little bit of Christmas music. We're going to start it off with one of my favorite, favorite groups. Let it snow, boys to men, okay? This is the CC show. Oh, you know what? And I'm going to play a little R. Kelly today, okay? I know y'all going to be mad out of these streets. I don't care. Because <laughs> y'all know one of my favorite Christmas songs is R. Kelly's song, okay? I'm sorry. I know y'all been in R. Kelly out of these streets, but I still play my favorite Christmas song, okay? But we're going to start off with Let It Snow with Boys to Men. See, show. I will be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs>
in the same race Your words are good chasing I thought about it I put it on the line But you run around it You say you need a space So I bought a rocket And went back in the same place Cause you got me Michael. <laughs> Michael grew oh, up with okay. me. 
that's my middle name. I go by my middle name and my dad's name on the show. But it's cool to call me Keisha. Everybody knows on the show. People, who my regular listeners know Keisha's my first name. All right, so so I want to straighten that up for new listeners. If they're like, well, does this say Carlotta? <laughs> What's that? But, Marshall, welcome to the show. Uh, I felt that one of the reasons that your story was so important to get out here uh, because there are so many people in the system, particularly black males, that were sentenced excessively or wrongly convicted. Your case seems to have both elements. So let's start out with the audience getting to know your story. You are from Kansas City, right? Yes, ma'am. Well, first yes. of all, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for allowing me to interview you and give you a platform for your story. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Um, but uh, you're, so you're from Kansas City, Midtown. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, not that far from me. Me and Michael grew up together. We've been knowing each other since we, we knew each other when we were in grade school. <laughs> so, uh, right. As, right. Matter of fact, so we grew up together. Uh, Casey, during the 80s and early 90s, inner city was not easy to navigate. Me and you both know that. Um, right. So it's very easy to get caught up out there. So can you share with us a little bit of your story to help the under audience understand the situation you were living in, which led up to right to right before your incarceration? Well, I mean, I was living in the inner city where, like you said, where back then either you was in the know or you wasn't in the know. Yeah. Kids in my days growing up, I mean, they wanted to be hip, wanted to be popular. They wanted to be the, the in crowd. So it was a lot of peer pressure going on and, and, and a lot of stuff like that. So it has happened to be to where I was one of those guys that never said I would never do this, I would never do that, but was influenced by my co-defendant to like, man, you know, here you go, man, try to do this, man, man, you can make some extra money, man, and you can have money in your pocket. And then on top of that, with just with a lot of violence and gangs and stuff going on, it was more sort of okay then, man. I had to be one of the guys that, you know, I'm not going to be out here struggling, you know, not having tennis shoes or anything like that. On top of going to school, it was a lot of pressure on me back then. And you know what? I I remember, I always talk about the 90s on here and the early 80s, the 80s and the early 90s on here because I tell people the crack bomb, I call it the, when the crack bomb dropped. I said it it changed the neighborhoods as we know it. It, it does, it, it, it did so much damage to the neighborhoods and the inner cities, especially it gave young men who didn't, young men who couldn't find a chance to make money to help families. And stuff. People were forced to do things sometimes they didn't even want to do. Yeah, peer pressure, right. like you said, you know. Yeah, so it yeah. was a definitely a different time, definitely. So you were convicted in 1991 of a homicide, but you were sentenced yeah. to life without the possibility of parole for murder. Now, plus 20 uh, years. Plus 20 years. Plus 20. Wow. So you've been in there since 1991, people. I want you guys to get an idea of what Michael has been sitting in for almost 30 years, knowing that it's been 30 years. I was 19 yes. going on 20. I'm 50 wow. years old now. Wow. Wow. And that's a long time. And I, and you know, and I always talk to you because me and you seen each other right before you went in. And I was like, wow, we're caught back in because I was 18 when I saw at that time I saw you 17 or 18. So it's, right. it's, it's, it's wow. It's like a caught up in time. So yeah, but a lot of things have happened since your conviction, so many things. Um, first of all, I kind of want you to um, 
let me let me start with this. The alleged shooter, one of your co-defendants, has admitted to being the shooter in the affidavit. Uh, and yes. the witness who testified at your trial has since come forward to retract statements made during trial, right? Yes, ma'am. And so, um, you know, so the other defendants in this case have been released, including the young man who admitted to being the shooter. Right. Yeah, they've been out. One of them been out over almost 20 years now. And the actual shooter in the case, he's probably been out going on seven years. Wow. You know, My and goodness. I admit, like, say, when we was locked up, we was locked up together. And he tried to recant, or he did a, a jailhouse affidavit, which a lot of people already said that wasn't that wasn't going to carry a lot of weight. So when he finally got out a year later, he went down to my lawyer and confessed to being the shooter in the case. Because, wow. like I said, it, this was my first time ever being locked up. You know, they had no physical evidence. I mean, they had nothing on me, just that I was there. And then I was trying to explain to my lawyer, the lawyer who I had on my trial, which name is Dan C. Miller, you know, he was my trial lawyer. And before we even went to trial, he was on the phone with someone else. I'm like, man, who are you talking to? He said, oh, I'm talking to Dan Miller. I said, man, let me talk this to call is my from lawyer. a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. And then well, I'm talking I'm... to him. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Michael, before you get before you get into that, because I, I want to get to Dan Miller, because I think it's a very important part of your story. I want you to take us to that night, though, so you can explain to people what happened that night, the night in question, where this, your whole life changed, and share with us your story, kind of what well, happened. Well, that night on May the 14th, 1991, we was all down to my Cody Penny's house with his girl, and I think one, two, three, three or four kids that she had. And a friend of ours asked us, or asked my co-defendant, if he can take him down to Ganache, which is the projects. Now, I'm around you, it's probably like a five, ten-minute drive from where we was at on 45th. So we take him down there. No, my co-defendant asked me to ride with him. I rode with him. We goes down there and catch a flat. And it was just a coincidence at the time we catch a flat. Someone is trying to kick in my co-defendant's door will remind you where his girl and they three or four kids live at. She pays him. He hysterical, trying to call some uh, other co-defendants to bring a spare tire so we can hear him go back to the house. Because it was a trap house. And for those who don't know what a trap house is, it's a drug house. Mm-hmm. You know, so she, you know, we get there, she telling him that Carlos and them try to kick in the back door three different times. So he's hysterical. He's going out. He wonder what's going on. Okay, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Because we know he'd be in the neighborhood. So he was. He seen him going up Forty Fifth and Truce, going down north towards like Forty Fifth. So you know, my co-defendant grabbed his shotgun. You know, I had a Mac Eleven. You know, and my co-defendant go chase him up Truce, trying to you know run down Carlos. And I go up Forest, but come to find out, we never did find Carlos. So we on our way back to the house, and the victim in this case, who ended up getting killed, he's coming down the street, and I tell my co I said, man, there goes, there goes Reggie. And he was like, man, why you trying to kick in my house? He's like, man, I ain't trying to kick in your house. Man, I come explain myself. And Mr. Davis like, explain yourself for what? If you didn't have nothing to do with you kicking in my house with my girl and my kids live at. And then one thing led to another. Then I said, man, listen, you ain't got time for all this, man. Take care of your business, man. 
and my co-defendant, he ended up killing the guy. He killed the guy. We run back to the house. You know, he tell his girl, we just killed somebody. I said, hold up, man. We ain't killed nobody, man. Don't, don't be telling her we killed nobody. And he told her he just killed somebody. So she tell me just to get the guns away from her house. And from that day on, my life was changed. I gotta ask you, when you say when you that night were you were you expecting him? Did you think he was going to shoot him? Did you were No, you, I did not. Yeah. You know, I was more surprised and shocked that he done it because I mean, he's not really that type of guy. But I guess he was so enraged that someone tried to kick in his house where his girl and kids lived that that he felt like he had to do something. And when he done it, I remind you, I was like fifty feet away from the guy. When he when he when he shot and killed him, so, and then he was so, go, go ahead. ahead go ahead go ahead no so no, when he was just, said, no he was just so hysterical and ran to the house and then when he was telling his girl we killed somebody I had to make sure no no we ain't killed nobody man then that's when he told her that he killed somebody and then she asked him what happened I said well see I mean he, he shot him and I would take the guns away from my house and I was a compass and took the guns away from the house that was what I'd done. And I guess for that, I was given life without plus 20 years. So, I, so I'm so i going to – I, I want to ask you this. When you say, because I know people out here what they're thinking when they say, what does he mean when he says, so take care of your business? When you said that to him, you weren't meaning to were – you, you were, what were you meaning at that, with that? No, I don't want to uh, – When I told him – yeah, when I was telling him to take care of his business, I thought he was going to swing on him and fight him. Get right, you know, and in those days, yeah, that's what people did. People fought too. People, people used right. to fight. Yeah. See, back when we grew up, like I say, in the the mid '80s and early '90s, which I got locked up in the early '90s, '91. But in the mid '80s, all we done was fight. No one walked around with guns. No one carried guns. Even at house parties, they fought. Once you fought, he went his way. He he went his way, and that was it. So, and he even stated, and when he done affidavits for me, he even stated in affidavits that I had no knowledge that he was going to kill this guy. So, I mean, you, that, and that, and that, that's so many, so many young men have that story where they've been in the wrong place at the wrong time with someone and, and they end up getting in trouble. And that's what it was with me. Cause everybody asked me, what were you doing around here, man? What were you doing around here? I said, well, man, you know, he, he had sold marijuana and I told him I was going to come down and, and buy something from him. And with that in that week, I had to stay there for a week because I knew his girl, knew her kids. And they was like like my God kids to me. And that one week changed my whole life. And and, during, and what happened during trial? You were tried first, right? You were tried. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay, and so they were, from what I'm gathering from you, they pinned the shooting on you even though you weren't the shooter. Right. And I found that out. Because we was in the county jail, and guys in the county jail was sending word up to me, telling dudes, tell me, man, tell Sitch that, you know, his co-defendant down there trying to put the weight on him. And I'm like, well, shit, he can't do that because I haven't done nothing. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I ain't killed nobody. I ain't did nothing. So, you know, I don't know why he's, he's trying to pin it on me. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I don't believe it because I know it's not true. So a week before my trial, I see my lawyer, Dan C. Miller, and he comes tell me, well, we got trial next Monday. I said, how do we have trial 
when we haven't even come up with a strategy or anything about my defense. I haven't seen you in nine months, man. And that's when he told me, well, they offered you a plea bargain, but I knew you weren't going to take it, so I never did come and tell you. I'm like, okay, what was the plea bargain, man? He said, oh, it was two lies. I was meant for a crime I didn't commit. He's like, well, man, they pretty much want you because they saying you done it. I said, well, man, I haven't not done nothing, man. There's no physical evidence, no nothing, no gunpowder, no residue, nothing, man. I said, I, I don't understand how they figure I've done it. When I'm when my other co-defendant had gave a police statement stating that the other guy killed the guy. So I told him, I said, well, man, well, tell him to give me 25 years. Oh, they, they not going to do that. And me not knowing at the time, he applied for the job for the prosecutor's office. Wow. That is the, so that's, this, that's a conflict of interest. Right. So. And, and I filed a motion for a conflict of interest, which they had denied it. And, uh, and I found out in 2002 that here it is, a month and a half after my trial, my trial lawyer got a job with the prosecutor's office, who now in trouble because he would have evidence on another murder case. Oh, man. So I'm like, well, man, you, he couldn't defend me to my best ability, to his best abilities, because the people that he's sitting across from, he's finna go work for. So how do he look like get me off on a murder he know I didn't commit, but he's finna go work for the people who's trying to convict people for murders? This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. And you said he never he never had a strategy. He shows up nine months after after you haven't spoken to him at all. He shows up and he tells you that there was a plea bargain on the table, but he de- he denied it without telling you. Right, right. Oh he said he knew I wasn't gonna take it, so that's why he never came and told me about it. Wow. And but, even okay. when I told him, even when I told him, but tell him give me twenty five years, he wouldn't even go counter offer. Wow. So that's like, the first, okay. right? Yeah, that's the first miscarriage, Justin. And and during the trial, some witnesses had um, you were talking about uh, had many inconsistencies. We talked on the phone the other day, and I remember you right. saying to me that the evidence was so circumstantial. Circumstantial, you were surprised you were convicted. You talk a little yes, bit I'm, about right. I was surprised I was convicted, and even the corrections officers who took me to trial for that week. They was even surprised because they even said, oh, yeah, you can get out, man. You can tell all three witnesses is lying on you. You know, one of the daughters, she admitted to lying on the oath three different times because the daughter who admitted to lying on the oath three different times, she had gave a police report statement eight hours after the murder and told them that my co-defendant had killed this man. And then when he found that out while we was in the county jail, he told his girl, so it's sort of big riffraff in the family because she was telling the people that he killed them. So he told her to tell his girl to tell his sister that I've done it. And there's you know, where, and, yeah. right. There's where the problem so, um, comes in. And she was right. his girlfriend at the time, so she it was easy for her to probably lie, go ahead and lie for him to get him right. less time than you. So one of the things. Well, yeah, it was her, his girlfriend, her sister, and her mother. That was the three people who testified at my trial. And since then, they have recanted. Some of them, a couple of them have recanted their statements. Yeah, the mother and the daughter recanted their statements. The daughter, the oldest daughter, she had broke down crying when my girl went and talked to her and told her she was so sorry 
you know, she she's sorry, she lied on me. She doesn't want to try to do what she can to help them make it right because she knew she was wrong. And she even told her kids. And when I talked to her kids, her kids had told me, that, listen, man, Mama already told us what happened, man. And we told Mama she got to do what's right, man. She knew she lied on you, man, so she got to try to help you get you out of jail. And even her mother admitted that she lied, and they both went down to my lawyer and recant their statement and done the affidavit. Now, I want to ask you, too, about there was a third uh, co-defendant on this case. He he ne- he always contended that you were not the shooter, right? Right, right, most definitely. So, which, is, which is interesting, which is interesting. <laughs> That is, so the, there was there was always there was always even the even your co-defendant was saying you weren't the shooter and now the shooter said you're not the shooter and you're right. still the only one sitting in prison for a crime that you did not even know was getting ready to happen. Right. Wow. You know, is, did not know at all, and and that's why I find so. We have one minute left. You know, that's why I find so redundant. But I'm gonna call you right back and finish the conversation. Okay, that's fine. You guys, we, we, you know this is a different uh, – I'm going to let Michael go so he can call me right back. We're going to take a little yeah. break. I'm going to play some music, and we'll be back in a moment. Okay, guys? Back in a moment after this. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The caller has hung up. back on the CC show. I am talking to Michael Silas and we are talking about his case and uh, his trial that happened where he was convicted uh, almost at, well it was 30 years now he was convicted of a crime that Michael was content from the beginning and his co-defendant and now the shooter and he's had a number of witnesses come forward that said he did not co- he did not commit this crime. And so Michael we left off on we, we left off on you talking about the witnesses even recanting their stories. Can you hear me? Right. And then if I can yeah. say, yes, I can hear you. And like I said, even my co-defendant from day one, the other co-defendant who was given a plea bargain, even from day one when he first got locked up, he had gave a police report stating that the other co-defendant was the shooter in the case, that he didn't know that the other co-defendant was going to kill the guy. Or let okay. Long even shoot the guy. Wow. So, no. so he, neither one of you knew what was going to happen. Nah, neither one of us knew. And we was more in shock that it happened that we both just, me and the other coach, we just kind of froze like, did this just really happen? So by us being 19, 20 years old, we just took our running back to the house. And then we we couldn't believe it. So um, you've got, so you know there's a new law now that's on the books in Missouri 
uh, that could possibly help your case. Uh, yes. you want Senate elaborate? Bill 53. Well, it's the Senate Bill 53, to where, which my lawyer has already done. He has filed a motion to the prosecutor's office, the interrogated unit, which it gives the prosecutor the right to overlook your case to see that if there was any wrongful conviction or misjudgment in your case, it gives her the right to either overturn your case or to reduce your case. And the fact that, like I said, even during my trial, my trial lawyer, Mary Hill, she said that, okay, no, nah, we don't have proof he did it, but he was there. And all I'm asking them is, okay, just because I was there, does that mean I should spend the rest of my life in prison for a crime that y'all know I didn't commit? And this man is telling y'all he committed this crime? And he's out there living his life for the last seven years now? Both of your so code is both. Right. Both of my code defendants out there living, living their life, having good jobs. Both of them is married and everything. And I'm still sitting here fighting for, for, for my life, for my freedom. And that's why I'm asking the prosecutor, Ms. Jean Peters-Bakers, to overlook my case like she did in the Kevin Strickland case. And like I told my daughter that I'm not asking her to vacate my sentence, but to set aside my sentence, which means she can reduce my sentence the time served, meaning that I've been locked up 30 years, and I'm asking, well, how much more of my life or what else do I have to do to prove my innocence? I mean, I didn't got the witness. I didn't found mm-hmm. statements and everything, and I'm still being denied. And they know I didn't commit this crime. And, and you know, we know that it's, it's so, there's just so many cases, Michael, that have where people are fighting just like you for these convictions that they have, they shouldn't even be in jail. You should have been out years ago. But right. it, it's just that part, the, the, all the, um, the, the due process, the law, how it goes, it takes forever. And now this law should be able to help you. So, listen, Michael, how do you stay hopeful yes. and fighting? How do you stay hopeful and fighting when you find yourself in a situation where you know, where you know you did not do this? You, did, you didn't even know what's happening. How do you stay hopeful? In this situation, I mean, I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's been moments that I've been depressed. It's been moments that I've been stressed. And it's even been moments that I ain't even had suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. That end up in the hospital like, you know, there's it's no justice in my case. Facility and may be monitored and recorded. You know, it's, it's been moments that I lost hope because I feel like every time I found something, it was getting denied and I didn't know what else to do. But thankful that I have my woman, Miss Letitia. I mean, she's been my motivation. She's been my strength. Her and my little brother. But I think if it wasn't for neither one of them, I think I'd have been like, I'm going to be honest, I think I would have been dead in jail. Because I feel like, you know, I have no hope. The hope that I do have, it's like they just keep taking away from me. And I'm asking, what more can I do? But my girl and my little brother, they continue to tell me to fight, don't give up, don't give up. And I tell people, it's easy for the outside world to say it because they're not in here going through what we go through every day. It's mm-hmm. mentally, you have to be mentally strong, and you need a good support system. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And, I, yeah. and you know what, I'm so glad that, shout out to Letitia because she's been working really hard. Your, your family, your, your, bro, your, your brother, I mean, your, your, what, your, your, you say your My your little family. brother Rico. Your little brother, yeah. little brother. My little brother Rico and my girl Letitia, I mean, Letitia, that's my rock. That is my rock. They've been working hard. 
They've been working hard for you. So I yes. so uh shout out to them and you know, uh what do you do now while you while you're there to get to make your time better? Because I know I've heard you were going back to school and trying to get yes. things yeah. So if you want to talk about and that. That's what, I've been, that's, that's, that's what I've been doing lately. I mean, because for a minute I gave up on I gave up on everything. I just didn't care. But I mean, look, like I say again, petition to my little brother, like man, look, you can't give up on life, man, because we're not gonna give up on you. So they motivate me. Oh, you know what? Let me go back to school. Let me further my education. You know, and on top of me going back to school, you know, I try to be a motivational speaker in here to these bunch of young guys that are getting locked up. You know, trying to keep them straight to make sure they don't do what I done when I first got locked up over 30 years ago. So going back to school and and being and going to church. I mean, because at first I was not a church man. You know, I didn't believe in it, but now I truly believe in it. I know there is a God, and I have faith, and I know that faith will prevail on all things. Yeah, well, Michael, I I thank you so much for giving giving me letting me trusting me entrusting me with your story. I know it's been a long time since uh, we we we've been in touch and we've known each other, but I really I am so proud that you are fighting for and that you are saying hey I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna lay down I'm gonna fight for what I know is right and I am wishing you the best and I I, I would say to you prepare keep preparing every day to get out because that's where you get out and I tell my kids the same thing because I got a son that's 32 and a daughter is 31 you know mm-hmm. and keep in mind I've been locked up 30 years so I have not been part of their life Besides through telephone. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, you know. and I you know, and I just hey, I that that is that is so and I this is why I wanted to share Michael's story because there are so many people that are that are dealing with this this situation and it's a blessing that Michael has been able to while he's in there been able to be in a motivation to other young men who are coming in that may find themselves in the same situation or in a different situation and he's motivating them now. And taking back the reins of his life while he is there. So, uh, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for your well, story. You. And, uh, you and, I, and I want to let people know that. Excuse not to cut you out, but okay, I mean, if they want to learn more, if they want to learn more about my situation, yeah. they can go to the website Justice for Michael Silas, and it's on my website. You know, yes. it's a on the there web- and everything. I'm going to give the website again too throughout the show so that people can know uh, to go on there. And Blog Talk Radio list, uh, listeners, it's Blog Talk Podcasters and everything. Michael is also free for other interviews so we can get his story out there and so that people can know what has happened to him. So the more his story gets out there, the more uh, chance Michael has to get free and which he gets the freedom he deserves. Okay? So, Michael, thank you again. Well, thank you, and again, it's a blessing, and uh, for letting me be on your show, on your podcast, and to tell my story. All right, all right, you guys, we're gonna go out for it. We're gonna take a break, and we'll come back. We'll get into celebrity news, news, regular news, hot topics of the week, and more. Meanwhile, let's listen to a little bit of Maxwell, the new one for Maxwell. Off, it's the CC show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
wonderful interview with Michael Silas. I want you guys, if you didn't get a chance to hear the interview right after the show is over, you can listen to the interview in the archives. It comes back up again in the archive show. Please make sure you tell as many people as possible about Michael's story because it deserves to be heard. Uh, Michael, uh, uh, I've been knowing Michael since we were like kids when we were at, we were at grade school together. 
Uh, probably I met Michael when I was maybe second grade, <laughs> third grade. So we grew up together. Michael was one of the kids that used to hang out at my house. And we used to go over on the block to, to where they lived at, and, there, and, on, and which was not too far from me. So I know Michael's story. And even right before Michael was incarcerated, right before he was incarcerated, right before he was jailed, Michael came over to my home and sat and talked with me. So I, was, I, I remember me and Michael, we go way back. We've been knowing each other forever. So it, it's a, for me, it's a personal a personal thing uh to and i know his girlfriend we've been great friends for years and everything so i i, I this it's very personal for me so i really hope you guys get out this story as many people as possible talk to as many people as you can and let them know because there's so there's not michael is just a piece of a story for many others and the more people that we can get wrong these wrongful convictions and stuff overturned and stuff uh the more the more people that get out the more people that can be helped that have been left behind too so uh, just like kevin strickland's story it, it it's now it's michael michael having a story it's similar very similar to his so uh, uh, you guys, way you, one of the ways you can help him is going to his website. It is justice uh, for michaelsilas dot com. Okay, that's Michael Silas M I C H A E L S I L A S dot com. Okay, justice for michaelsilas dot com. Okay, and you guys can um. You, uh, you guys can find out more about his story, ways that you can help Michael in uh, getting this uh, sentence re-looked at by the prosecutor's office in Missouri, okay? Please do so. As many, as many of you guys can get out there and get this story. You're welcome to share this story, remember, on the CC. So I don't mind whatsoever. Please definitely share the story, all right? Okay, guys. It's time because I know y'all. I, I know y'all ready for me to talk celebrity news, celebrity gossip. I'm getting into hot topics and all of that and more on the um, on the CC show. Hold on, I just I want to check something real quick because I see a caller on the line. I'm not sure if the caller wanted to say something. Uh, if you don't want to say something, caller, just ignore me. But I'm not sure I see your hand up. So hold on, just a second. Six oh two, caller. My screen thing yes, is not working today. <laughs> so I couldn't scream you. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Good morning. That's a wonderful thing you're doing, Mr. Michael Silver. I mean, that story is phenomenal. I was blown away. I, and this goes on every day, but we don't ever put it out to the media. We put out the, our new car, but we don't put out infringements by the government. And we need to put the word out. Yes. So many people, it's so many stories. This is not only the stories of just so uh, just a lot of people in the justice system, but particularly black males have these stories. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear this all all throughout the system, and there's some black women too in the system. So it, I, I thank you so much for uh, listening to the story, and 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 hopefully you knowing and other people knowing about it will get him the justice that he needs. Thank you so much. I've been texting people all morning since I've been on the show. My name is Pastor Don Jr., CEO, and I've been over a thousand radio shows, but I never heard anything like this. Well, I'm, I'm, and, and it helps, and it helps when a pastor, because I know y'all pastors go to bat. 
Mm-hmm. Y'all don't play with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I thank you so much for listening, and I thank you so much for, and I hopefully you share Michael's story and uh, it gets out there. That's for what we're doing. Yeah, while we're on the radio, I'm texting very adamantly. I, I want to hear the whole show. So I'm right here. You need anything thank else, you. I'm right here. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, we're getting ready to go. We're going to take that turn over into celebrity news and celebrity gossip this week. Oh, my God. First of all, we got to talk about news, okay? <sighs> I, I heard about the Kamala, Kamala Harris and Charlemagne interview. I have not seen it, so I'm not going to say A lot of you guys were writing me and saying, have you seen the Charlemagne, Kamala Harris interview? It was something else at I have not seen it. I heard that. I, I, so I'm going to watch it, and it will probably I will probably talk about it on the show this week. Okay, coming up, I will I'll, I'll address what I saw. You guys know I'm not a Kamala Harris fan or a Joe Biden fan. Okay, and I warned black folks. I warned y'all. I told y'all. I told y'all what was going to be. And what I'm really scared about, and what I'm very scared about, is because now if you're listening to um, shows on like Fox and stuff like that, there's a push for them to be tougher on crime. And I've talked to you guys about this beforehand. I said, pay attention. Remember, Joe Biden wrote the crime bill in the 90s that put so many black males unfairly in jail. Uh, You not only had Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris was a prosecutor in San Francisco who was putting parents in jail for truant laws. I mean, she was literally, she was, she was doing the, we're talking about poor people who couldn't, sometimes they had to go to work, didn't know their children were out of school, didn't know, there were so many things, I, mean, I warrant y'all, so now there's a towards trying to stop the crime, now you got a prosecutor in there, and a guy who wrote the crime bill, so I, I'm just, I'm hoping that we're not getting ready to see a return to the, to the 90s. I, you know, with, with with folks being locked up big time, you know. So remember, I mean, you know, and he, the pressure is on Joe Biden right now to really uh, do, uh, to, to really get down on crime, okay? So, um, but here's, here's the interesting thing. I, I, there is an article. I have not, I'm, I guess I'll talk about it. I'm seeing this article right now. Somebody just sent me. Okay. Kamala Harris. Let's talk about this first before we get into celebrity news. Kamala Harris got heated after Charlemagne the God asked if Joe Biden or Joe Manchin was the real president. Oh, my God. He asked that. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Charlemagne the God asked Vice President. This is according to MSN.com. We'll talk about it now. Charlemagne the God asked Vice President Kamala Harris Friday who the real president is. Harris quickly defended President Joe Biden and said, don't start talking like a Republican. Joe Manchin frustrated some Democrats again this week by holding up the Build Back Better Act. President Kamala Harris uh, uh, gave a fiery response Friday when media host Charlemagne the God asked if, if President Joe Biden was the real president. The tense exchange happened while Harris was being interviewed for Comedy Central's The God's Honest Truth, okay? So who is the real president of this country? If Joe Manchin, is it Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? Charlemagne asked the vice president. And she goes, come on, Charlemagne, Harris responded, followed by Charlemagne chiming in to say, I can't tell sometimes. No, 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 it's Joe Biden, Harris said, and don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not that he's president. Uh, listen, I don't think it's Joe Manchin or Joe Biden. I really believe there are powers 
behind Joe Biden. Joe Biden is clearly out of his mind. Y'all, y'all, y'all know Joe Biden ain't. Y'all know Joe Biden ain't been the same since. Uh, I mean, he barely ran a campaign. So, and listen, I, Charlemagne asked the, the. It's funny the question he asked, but it was it wasn't a really tough question for her to answer. Uh, the question becomes is uh, is what are they doing for black the black voters that voted for them? We are seeing black voters lose more and more power than ever before since they've been in office. Last week, just I talked about in New York, illegal voters are voting. Yeah, I mean, vote illegal. I mean, illegal citizens are now being able to vote in le- lo- local elections in New York City. Do you know what that does to black political power? in America, doesn't do good for it, okay? So it's a very interesting dynamic that we're seeing. Uh, It's almost like the Democrats are working hard to replace traditional black American voters. ADOS, or some of you have, some of y'all call American descendants of slaves or foundational black Americans. So I, and I've been seeing this come, it's been coming for a long time. See, a lot of times we as black America have let people like Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, we allowed them to ride off of our legacy. Barack Obama, neither Kamala Harris, they're black, but they're not descendants of, they're not American descendants of slaves or foundational black Americans. You know we haven't had a foundational black American ascend or a traditional black American or a descendant of slaves in black America ascend to the White House or ascend to a powerful position in the White House. We still haven't had our the true first American president. Barack Obama's background is Kenyan. Uh, Kamala Harris is a third generation. <laughs> she went to Howard is what her selling point was. So we should not be surprised at what we're witnessing and what we have witnessed as black America. It has been a selling out of black America. And people like Charlemagne and uh, a lot of other celebrities and Democratic operatives got these people in. They helped. So I'm not surprised, okay? Uh, but if she's saying, I hear the frustration, but let's not deny the impact that we've had and agree also that there is a whole lot more work to be done. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> what work are they going to do? I mean, they've already pretty much destroyed inf- a lot of infrastructure. Uh, it's very interesting. It says earlier in the week, the moderate uh, Democrat held up Biden's $2 trillion social and climate spending bill over concerns about the cost of the child tax credit inside of Joseph Zebra's uh, uh, Pong reported. Okay. Biden said Thursday he was working closely with Manson to come to an agreement and get the Build Back Better Act passed, which will require the support of every Democratic senator. Uh, you know, Listen, I really feel that this is the last. Ooh, they have got to get these, this bill passed because there, Joe Biden has really officially, in my personal opinion, had one of the worst years a, a president could ever have. And he's really sold out. But Black America has really gotten sold out down the river, okay, from uh, Joe Biden. So it's you know it's and he and it wasn't anything that he didn't tell us he was going to do. Okay. He said, if you guys remember, we, we, we played the uh, interview, I mean, the uh, he had that private conversation with 
uh, black, a lot of black civil rights leaders that I believe, I forget the uh, the news outlet that had uh, gotten the audio from it. And he told the black civil rights, he, he chastised a lot of the black civil rights leaders. And then he tells them that you guys are going to have to find someone to pair with the Hispanics or something like that because you, you guys are going to lose political power is basically what he was saying. Basically, Joe Biden told him in that conversation he wasn't going to do much. And at that point, we should have turned on this Joe Biden, but, but we did not. And this is a hard lesson learned for black America. It's all good. Maybe we now we see the writing on the wall, okay? Now, one of the things I was going to talk about before uh, I got that article, you guys sent me that article, is Kamala Harris saying she and Joe she and Biden do not talk about, nor have they talked about, they haven't talked about, nor have they discussed re-election. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that they haven't talked about re-election. Hopefully they don't. I mean, if today they probably tried to run. They were losing a landslide, even probably against Trump. <laughs> So, you know, uh, yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> and I don't want to see these two run ever again. Sorry if you like that. I have warned Black America against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for quite some time. And here we go. This is this is this is this is what we, we have we've gotten, okay? But this article says this week, and this is according to MSN.com again, it says Kamala Harris told the Wall Street Journal that she hasn't discussed re-election with Biden. We haven't completed our first year. God, it seems like it's been years. <laughs> That's how bad it's been. Inflation's gone up. COVID's gone up. Wait a minute. How has COVID gone up when there's vaccines? Remember last year, we didn't even have a vaccine until November. There was no vaccine. How are COVID, there are more COVID cases now? Remember the lie, they, the so-called story they've been telling us: the more people that get vaccinated, the less uh, the less problems we'll have. Well, there are there's sixty percent of American population is vaccinated. Why is Omicron and uh, uh, which is very it's a, like a common cold I'm hearing, and and COVID and Delta variants still spreading. Does herd immunity happen at some point? I mean, we didn't have variants when we didn't have a vaccine. So suddenly we have variants with the vaccine? That's scary. Think about that. <laughs> Crazy. Yes, they have this anti-vaxxer movement going on. I don't know what's happening with the world. It's a scary place. Okay, but it says speculation continues over whether Harris will succeed Biden has a Democratic uh, standard bearer. Uh, no, Kamala will not. Kamala would lose. Unless something really huge happens, Kamala would definitely lose the election, okay? Kamala could not even win the nomination for president. I was surprised that Joe Biden picked her as a VP. I was actually pretty surprised about that. There were so many more well-qualified people. Susan Weiss is more well-qualified. Uh, there, there was a number of people. Hell, I would have picked, what's the girl in uh, Georgia that's getting ready to run for, uh, 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 I forget if she's going to run for governor again. Hell, I would have picked her instead of Kamala <laughs> Oh, Joe, oh, Joe, Joe. That tells me that Joe might be a little, you know, I don't know. All right, so that is the story. That's okay. That's my thoughts on Kamala Harris. 
and a Joe Biden. Which is, you know, it's the same. It's not going to stop. Okay? But now, here's a really interesting story this week. Matthew McConaughey, y'all know he's been talking about running for governor of Texas, right? And then suddenly, Matthew decided not to run for governor. And I said, you know why, Matthew, you decided not to run for governor? Because the Democrats probably told you to sit your ass down because they're going to try to run beta or walk. <laughs> now, I know you guys are saying, well, Matthew McConaughey is, is not sure whether he's, he's going to run as an independent Republican. Matthew McConaughey is a liberal, okay? He's from, he's from Hollywood. He's definitely a kind of a liberal. And I do believe the Democrats had probably, they, there probably has been an influence to ask him to sit down because he would split the vote. He would definitely split the vote for Beta O'Rourke. Which I can't see Texas voting Beta O'Rourke in unless something extreme happens. Now, I do believe Texas will turn blue within 10 years if we, still, if we keep having an influx of people from California and New York other places, definitely Texas is going to be a blue state. The state taxes are all soon. <laughs> all right, because when people move, people don't ask questions about why they're moving, right? People just move and say, oh, the taxes were too high. Oh, my God, it was, the cost of living was too high where I was living. They bring their bad politics with them, not understanding, not asking themselves questions about the, the, what was going on in the space where they were li- they live locally politically. So what you have is the influx of people running from a lot of states that have had bad, bad, I mean, just bad, uh, um, uh, uh, bad politics. And they're running now to states like Texas, who kind of plays the game right, right? Because Texas has gotten a lot of jobs and stuff like that. But they bring with them, they don't ask themselves the question, why am I running? What happened locally for me? Why, why did the cost of living go up in my city? Why did crime go up in my city? Why, did the, why is the rent so damn high, you know, in New York? And stuff like that. You know, ask themselves those political questions, and instead they just run away, and then they come with the same politics that they had that, they, that caused their whole state to fall. So it's kind of a scary thing. So that's why I kind of believe that in the next, 10 years, you will see places like Texas turn blue. I actually believe California will go back Reagan red. I know that's hard to believe. I know you guys are going, Carlotta, are you serious? California will never go. Yes, California. Because why? Because California is too expensive to live in. The only thing that will be left is the neocons. <laughs> I mean, there will be some people there that's like New York. New York there's left the, the really, really highfalutin rich Wall Street conservatives and liberals, right? And Manhattan, everything serves Manhattan, right? So the the people there are there for service, right? So as New York gets more expensive and more expensive, it'll be the wealthy and the politics will change of it. Same thing with California. I can definitely see, because you see elements of California in Orange County and places like that, especially during the, um, why would Larry Elder think that he could run and win that governor's race in, in California, that governor's recall. Why did he even think that? First of all, I don't know who voted on Larry Elder, but the first thing is, but why did he think he can run? Because he sees the politics in California changing. So very interesting. So Matthew McConaughey explains why he decided not to run for governor, okay? 
Now, this is what Matthew was saying. This is according to uh, a celebrity, uh, celebrity MSN. Since Matthew McConaughey has explained why he decided not to run for governor of Texas, he appeared on the Tonight Show Tuesday night and says running for office isn't in the cards for him right now. He says it's his family that caused him to put the brakes on it. Now, I can believe that. Okay, I can believe a little bit of that. Okay, I also believe it was the Democratic Party that caused it because if you have Matthew McConaughey, running has a slight liberal, independent, moderate, you know, he will take votes away from Beta O'Rourke. Okay, if he is, Beta O'Rourke has announced that he's going to run for governor of Texas. God help us. Okay. <laughs> McConaughey did tell Jimmy Fallon that he had been thinking about politics for the last two years. He says he wants to know what he can do to be more useful to himself, his family, and the most amount of people. When Fallon asked about if McConaughey will rule out running in the future, he said, I'm not until I am. Okay, so basically he'd probably run again. Uh, again. You know, Matthew McConaughey has an interesting uh, 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 background. I actually think, I'm going to be honest with you, I just, I actually think that Matthew McConaughey would have a better chance at governor than Beto O'Rourke would at this time in Texas. Now, in Texas in about five years, Beto O'Rourke may could have a shot. Matthew McConaughey being this kind of moderate, independent, liberal, it's kind of weird. He's kind of in between. He's got this kind of in-between little thing going on. He probably could do it. And plus he has, you know, celebrity power. You know, people always vote next. Now, would would him and his family, I mean, take some hits? Yeah, getting into politics is always hard because then they're going to go, you think being a Hollywood star is hard. Being a politician is even harder because they're going to go through all your shit. You know what I'm saying? They're going to go through your whole life. <laughs> they're not going to play up in here. Whatever was going on, whatever your wife is, whatever your, you are, whatever the relationship is, it, it, it's, it's going to get more than celebrity Hollywood gossip. It's going to get real strong. So, you know, if he doesn't have the background to stand up political-wise, you know, it may be hard for him. Okay, so... Very interesting that Matthew said that this week. We found out why Matthew is not running. But I do think he would have a better chance right now than somebody like Beta, okay? Uh, Drug over dose is a major problem in San Francisco this week. Uh, The uh, lawyer, I mean, the uh, mayor of San Francisco declares a state of emergency. San Francisco has been having the hardest damn time, okay? It's been having... Uh, alleged crime free and now drug overdoses. I don't know what's going on on this uh, out here on these streets, but uh, it is saying uh, this is um, this article. They are saying from Fox News. They're saying that uh, San Francisco Mayor London Breed state of emergency in the city's Tenderloin neighborhood, an area that sits near City Hall, and that officials have long said is rampant with drugs and crime in response to overdose deaths. Okay. The policy came after Breed promised an aggressive crackdown on crime in the city, in which he specifically cited the Tenderloin, Tenderloin has an area plagued by open-air drug dealing crime and unsanitary conditions on the streets. There is clearly uh, uh, in the Tenderloin community uh, with the conditions of not just people in the streets, but people living there and people suffering that we're in crisis and we need to respond accordingly, she said at the news conference Friday. Too many people are dying in the city. Too many people are sprawled all over our streets. The declaration would expedite emergency programs by waiving zoning and planning codes. 
in effect, cutting through red tape in an effort to open sites where people with substance use issues can receive behavioral health services and get off the street, a city news release said. It must be ratified by the Board of Supervisors within seven days and will exist for no longer than 90 days. Uh, in 2020, the city, the city experienced, listen to this, 700 drug overdose deaths. 700. My God. Bree said she is more. She said more than 600 people have died from overdose this year. Uh, you notice how it's been so quiet in the news. You haven't heard much about it. On Tuesday, she announced a series of crime-fighting initiatives to, to combat a wave of organized retail theft, crime, and sale of stolen goods. She noted that San Francisco is a compassionate city, but not a city where anything goes. During her initial announcement earlier this week, Bree called for more funding for the police. Uh, for, oh, what, what, what? Wait a minute. Did she call for more funding for the police? Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> San Francisco, America, San Francisco, call it for Funding for the police. <laughs> Listen, you know what? Here's what I, I, I'm going to tell y'all what I really think. The defund the police movement was a bad idea, in my personal opinion. Now, not that I don't think that sometimes police departments shouldn't be targeted for defunding, okay? But what I'm saying is you can't do without the police, okay? Facts. I mean, as messy as they are, as messy as things have happened in the in, in uh, uh, with the police, you do need to to police to combat crime. However, I do believe that cities, some cities, are experiencing what I call this is just Carlotta one hundred and one theory. Okay, this is just my theory. Silent police strikes. Especially places like New York, Chicago. I think my personal opinion, now this is just my personal opinion, that we have some authorities just sitting on the fucking job. Like, let's see what you're going to do without the police. And I believe there are, 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 are horrible elements. Listen, I believe there are criminal elements in every part of society. Y'all know how much of a conspiracy theorist I am. If you listen to this show a lot, you know I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I believe there are elements in the police department who will, you know, who who have, they, they, this this is because you're going to call for more funding for the police because when you see crime on the rise, you're going to forget about the, 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 the police uh, killing unarmed, unarmed people. You're going to forget about all that shit when you see crime raising up. You're going to be like, hell, damn, damn all that. We just need the police. We need to fund them more. We need to get them out here on these streets. And listen, I think that's a dangerous precedent, precedent, uh, 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 a dangerous precedent, a situation to set for the police department. And I, the reason why I say that is because I come from a spiritual place because I feel like justice is a spiritual law. And I feel like police are on the front line of that. And when you play those type of games, it's, you, you, there's higher powers at work. So that, so for me is that I hate to even see the, in my opinion, what it looks like. It's my opinion. It may not be true whatsoever, but my theory, police, Maybe playing games in certain cities. You are you are called to fight for justice, no matter what, no matter what's going on. If you take took that cop, you took that badge. Your job is to protect, protect. 
no matter what, even if when when crime comes that when people have to uh, convict one of your own for doing something wrong, it is still your job to serve and protect. And so when we see those silent, what I think is silent police strikes, I get really suspicious. Okay, and I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm saying that's just my fear. Okay, uh, I don't like that kind of game. I don't like those type of games. Just like I don't, you know, I feel like even though there is not a huge amount of, like, you know, Fox News loves to say this stuff about, you know, there's not a huge amount of, you know, uh, unarmed people being killed and stuff like that. But one is too many. Two is too many. And has a, has a department that represents justice. You don't want to see that at all because you are the front line of justice. And so you want to make sure that your department Looks always as good because it's such a powerful position. So I do believe we're seeing that in places like New York and places like that. I, 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 I actually, that's just my personal theory. Yeah, I, made, I know police people would say, that's not what happened. We have a lot of people quitting. We have a lot of this. We have these mandates. And, yes, I do believe mandates play a part, especially in places like New York City, where they tried to mandate cops and firemen and people like that to be vaccinated who don't want to be vaccinated. I definitely believe that plays a part in the numbers also. But I also believe we have, we're having silence right too, okay? That's just my personal opinion here. And so we're going to see crimes in these cities. You know, especially with what happened last year with the riots and stuff like that, the year before last or summer before last or whatever, you, we're going to see, I think, more crime, more things go on in these areas, okay? It's, it's, it, it's just, it is what it is. And I think you're going to get more funding for the police, which I believe from the beginning, police, my personal opinion is police are underpaid. I've always said that. And the reason what I said, they should be well-paid policemen should be well-paid but with that should become come heavy responsibility and with the idea that you can't be convicted if you are if you misuse your badge so you know not that you can skate through and just get a high salary high salary should put more responsibility on police officers but i've always believed police officers should have a bigger salary though so i kind of think a little weird and different about <laughs> The, the whole thing, but uh, it's very interesting. So you're seeing these moves in these cities. She's got a high uh, thing of drug overdose, 700 last year, 600 this year, and now she's got the smash and grab and all kind of smash and grab been around for years. A lot of people don't know that. If you grew up in the hood, smash and grab is not new. Okay, they used to just do it with smaller stores. But I got a conspiracy theory about the bigger stores too. Carlotta, don't do it. Should I tell my conspiracy theory? Oh, God. I don't want to get it. It's my conspiracy theory. Can you think about how all of a sudden is Rodale Drive? This is just all I'm going to put out here. Places like Rodale Drive, these high-end stores, you suddenly have gangs of people coming in, breaking into these stores, stealing and running out. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone off for you. Now, these stores also, these high-end stores and stuff, probably also took hits during COVID. So I'm just going to just say, you guys imagine, if, you can imagine my conspiracy theory that's going on in my head. I won't say it out loud. I'm just going to let you guys imagine what I'm talking about. 
We got high-end stores that probably haven't been doing so good since COVID. Then suddenly this year we got gangs coming in, breaking in, stealing all this merchandise and stuff, which is probably in stores. I'm not saying what I'm thinking. But y'all know what I'm thinking, right? Okay, what I'm saying. I'm saying it's just my thoughts. I have crazy thoughts. (gasps) Kanye West. Oh my God. Pastor Kanye. I said it, Pastor Kanye. Kanye, he's had a hard week, hasn't he? He's had a rough week. First, it was looking good with, you know, when he did the, 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 the live with Drake. Then he started begging for Kim to come back. And the next day, when he, the next day after he begged Kim to come back on stage, she files a petition to be seen as single to the court. <laughs> Kim is like, hell no, Kanye. I ain't coming back. <laughs> now, I understand why Kim is not coming back. Let me explain to y'all why Kim is not coming back. Kanye is said he's going to be homeless in a year. Why? Why is Kanye going to be homeless in a year, you say? I don't know why is Kanye going to be homeless. Why is Pastor Kanye said <laughs> to be homeless in a year? Well, he says he's going to build churches. Kanye West has left fans in stock with his latest revelation about himself, saying he'll be homeless in a year because he's turning all his properties into churches. The American rapper, record producer, and fashion designer has said that he believes society is being killed by capitalist news, adding it is time to change that. Kim Kardashian, a strange husband, who recently changed his name to you, inspired by this. He said he is going to be homeless in a year and he's going to turn all the homes I own into churches. The Grammy winner in the latest issue of O3TC revealed, we're making this orphanage and it will be a place where anyone can go, okay? Um, uh, he says uh, uh, anyone can go. He explained the latest issue of The rapper added, it should be like an artist community. Food should always be available. The new announcement comes after Kim Kardashian filed to become legally female and dropped West from her search. She's dropping West. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold up. Oh, my God. Kanye, your stock is falling that much that Kim is getting ready to go back to being fully fucking Kardashian. Let me stop and laugh like this. Let me stop and laugh about this. Oh, oh this is terrible. Oh, my God. He, she is a fat. Do we not understand that she is fouling? She's, she's only fouling to be single, but she's going to drop her. And you know how hard Kim worked to have West. Kanye West was a part of establishing the Kardashian brand. This is my, again, another theory of mine. I mean, beforehand, what did you think of the Kardashians had? Reality TV stars, sex brokers, hoping. 
But then Kanye West comes and legitimizes the thing. Well, Bruce had done that a little bit, but not enough. Kanye West comes and legitimizes <laughs> Kim Kardashian. And she walks around, she did not change her name for anybody. Remember Blake Griffin? What's that, what's that dude she was married to? What's the other guy? I forget the football, basketball player. She didn't change her name with him. She argued about changing her name. <laughs> but when Kanye came along, she definitely changed her name. Why? Because Kanye's a big-time music producer. Kanye has a catalog. Kanye is, you know, you know, he's got a lot of money. He's a billionaire, a legend. Now, Kim is so, like, Kanye is so fallen, the mighty have so fallen that she is like, you know what? Hell, I don't even want his last name on it. As a matter of fact, I'm petitioning to be single. This means that, Kanye, you need to take your man. It means that your stock, <laughs> you are the one. I would not have seen Kim. Kim was the one that I would see have a problem on the She's older now. She has four babies by you. But actually, she's winning. I thought about this last week because, you know, I kept saying, Kim Kardashian, you know, the stock isn't the same. She's got to get back here in the single life. Kanye West, who wants to deal with that shit? And she's got, you know, she's got, uh, um, and she's, you know, she's, you know, she's older now. I mean, you know, who wants to, you know, who wants to put up with Kanye? Who wants to put up with all that? But you know what? Kim is like, I said, you know, she she may go back to Kanye. But Kim went, I think for a second they were trying to talk it out, but Kim was like, oh, hell no. I got it better out here in these streets. I already got the heirs to his throne. I got four of them. Next, I don't have to be a single. I don't have to be putting up with these shenanigans, these, these, these manic, manic moments he has. I don't have to do that shit no more. Somebody else can babysit it. And these guys may not take me seriously, but I can have a good time as a single woman again. I can get in these, I get, I'm getting young penis out here. Just no Pete, what's Pete Davidson? I don't have to put up with Kanye. Kanye is no longer needed because Kanye keeps going to extremes, like building churches, going homeless and building churches in these are extreme. It's nothing wrong with the thought and the idea. The problem is that he wants to go home with himself. <laughs> he was about putting on with that. <laughs> Quit being Kanye. You're not going to get Kim Kardashian to be fucking homeless out here. That's not happening, okay? Have you seen her brand? Have you seen her family? That's like, she is Christian or child, okay? That's not happening. Kanye. <laughs> oh my God. This is, I mean, you know, and his stock is no woman. Now most women are starting to look at Kanye, and there's going to be a few because Kanye has money. He has lots of money, and some smart girl is going to come along and that's going to be able to know how to deal with bipolar. I suggest a nurse or something like that in the manic uh, episodes and stuff, and win with that means. But right now, a lot of women are looking at Kanye kind of sideways because he's begging Kim Kardashian to come back. He's just not, he's making his spot fall. You're a billionaire, Kanye. You don't have to do that. Kim's on. She's not coming back. You see the writing on the wall. She's not doing it. <laughs> she's got better options out here. Unbelievable. But she's got better options. 
you know, a woman who is of a certain age in her 40s, four children by you, has better options than you. That's how bad it's gotten, Kanye. Think, 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 think clearly. <laughs> wow, crazy, okay? Okay, so when I come back, we are going to get in. We got more celebrity news and everything to get, in, get into and more news. Listen, I heard this story this week and I had to laugh. A woman poisoned her boyfriend because he talked too much. <laughs> what are you people doing out here? <laughs> All right, and we got to talk about Beyonce. Oh, God, the Beehive. I know you're on. I know you're listening. Beehive, the Beehive loves to listen to me because they love to hate me. But Beehive, I want you to know that I have my key to the Ramada Inn, and I'm getting ready to check in. Now, for those of you who don't, a lot of you, a couple of you people who are new listeners ask me about what the Ramada Inn is. Yeah, she said, why do you keep saying check into the Ramada Inn? Because then Beyonce has a song where she talks about her haters, all, uh, you know, they, 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 all her haters really just hang out at the Ramada Inn. So I, I always say, because I'm considered a hater, I'm getting ready to check into the Ramada Inn. Beyonce has an actual song like that. On her, what's it, on the Black King album? <laughs> or the gift or whatever, you know, they're calling it nowadays. <laughs> anyway, I have my key ready. Because I got a lot to say. The outside wants to be Storm. Storm, yes, from X-Men in a Marvel movie. Yeah, taking over Holly Berry's part. <laughs> oh. oh, Beehive, I'm so ready to check in. Because you know what I'm going to say, right? Acting lessons are needed. All right, so we will talk about that when we get back. We'll also talk about Deion Sanders saying Brittany Rainer. Saved him $20 million. Oh, my God. Dion, Dion, Dion. You are old players. I, I would think you would know better. And you're, you're, you're dating. He's talking about Brittany Rayner with sort of, some sort of game. He's saying Brittany Rayner. Y'all know little Brittany Rayner, the little girl who's known as a, allegedly out here as a groupie who got some basketball, got pregnant by some basketball player or something like that. I don't know. And got money. They calling her like they talk. She's giving counsel to Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders' uh, ball players. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this because I can't believe Deion Sanders don't understand the game. Because Deion Sanders is dating. One of the most hypergamous women in all of show business. I said, oh my. You want to know what game is? Talk to Tracy. Britney is not game. But we're going to talk about that when we get back. Also, uh, Britney Spears' friends are worried about her boyfriend being her new dad. We'll talk about that one. And we'll talk about y'all being mad at these st- out in these streets at Ben Affleck for sharing his truth about Jennifer Gardner. Now, I call it the Molly Ringwald effect. For those of you who have been listening to my show for a long time, know where I'm going with the Molly Ringwald effect, okay? We'll talk about that when I get back. That and so much more on the CC show. Meanwhile, okay, listen to a little bit of music. I don't know what to listen to. I don't know. I don't even have, to, I don't have a phone yet. Let's listen to, uh, I said, oh, No Plans for Love, okay? We're going to listen to No Plans for Love. It's the CC Show, D-Nice, 
I'll be back in a moment, okay? Be nice with me, yo.
Favorite little Christmas songs there. It's the Carlotta Chatwood Show. I am Carlotta. We are up in these streets with celebrity news, gossip, news, regular news, all that stuff, okay? 314 is on the line. What's up, 314? I think I know who this is. What's up, 314? How you doing, Charlotta? Hey. Hey, how you doing? You going to have a Merry Christmas? You know what I am. (laughs) How about you? Oh, well, been many before, so this one would yeah. be just as Joshua also. Hey, what did you say about Mr. Sanders, the football coach at Jackson State? Uh, he, we're, we're, well, actually, I'm about to talk about him. He had this young lady, Brittany, Brittany Rayner, come in, and um, he, he, he's talking to, his, to, his, uh, to a lot of the young men about them getting set up by girls and stuff like that. And he's thinking, he, he's saying that she would have sold, saved him $20 million. But I don't believe that. I believe Dion uh, basically got caught up. So we, we're going to talk about that in a minute, Brittany. <laughs> oh, okay. But, you know, yeah, I was going to say one thing, too. Yeah, you were mm-hmm. talking about the politics earlier. See, yeah. you got to realize in those, too, that all black of course, we say all blacks not the same. The politics not the same. You got a lot of black supporters of Donald Trump, and I think you that do. they, you do. I, I think that in speaking, it has to be a designation there. People have to start saying all blacks are this group of blacks, so because there are many different groups, especially oh, when I you start you. talking about Hebrews, Christians, Muslims, well, there's even more. And, yeah, and but there's even more supporters. I think, um, and, and, and listen, I like Donald Trump better than I do Joe Biden. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what that's they're saying, but but I actually because I see the politics of what's playing out now, uh, 
And I've always liked Donald better than I did Joe Biden. But I, I think you're having a lot more people who, who are not necessarily, who not, don't necessarily consider themselves conservative, but actually like the politics of Donald Trump putting America first and the idea of America coming first, the idea of maybe slowing down the globalism ideas and stuff like that. So, yeah, 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 I, I can see Well, that. yeah, it's, there's, it's, there's it's about the policies. It's about the, it's about mm-hmm. the permanent interests. Not permanent friends, and yeah. see that plays out kind of hard on a national, on a national stage. But see, when you look at yeah. your local stages and who's controlling that, where you find a lot of Black Americans, and also you got to stop. You can't be uh, bringing in Africans amongst the conversations about Black Americans. Africans don't think that way. No, it's totally different. Uh, totally yeah, different. and. We're, and we're they and they're more yeah, successful yeah. in this country than the average, you know, average average African American. That should be what the concentration is on. It's about bringing up the levels of success. Because presently, and I'm not making fun, but that's what the data show. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your native yeah. blacks is in is last in so many important things, including business revenue. Then you got the education. Then you got the other areas. Now, you do have some people making some strides, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes well, it I so bad you... is yeah. the population ain't that great. We don't have that many. If you got 39 million blacks in the United States, then you got to divide that in half. Because most of them are going to be kids on the 18, and then those that's 55 and up. People that's 55 and up. When you get to 65, you're not going to go out there and be doing those ventures that you would take on when you were 25 and 30 years old because you're not going to be taking those type of risks. Because if you took the risk and you were uh, not satis- uh, satisfactory at it, well, you can't recover. You don't have the time to recover like you do when you're 30 years old. And you're more well, conservative think thinking. Well, I think mm-hmm. groups like ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, you got foundational black Americans and stuff like that, who are coming in and who are starting to make inroads and trying to tell black Americans, because a lot of times now, reason Africans, a lot of times, a lot of these people are a lot more successful. They also get to benefit off of specific, that's what Dr. Clara Anderson was talking about too, specific uh, things that were put in place for African Americans. So. But so when you have an Africans, especially wealthy Africans or stuff like that coming to the continent and you're suddenly the competition, you're competing for affirmative action with people who weren't, the offense was not the same as African Americans, it gets kind of messy. So I think that there is, and that's the same thing with Chinese, a lot of people with Chinese America and stuff like that, a lot of people have been able to benefit off of the things that were set in place for Adolf. And they have been they they successfully kind of edged them out of things that could have helped them. So I I see this as that's a complicated. Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you something. Africans don't come here looking mm-hmm. for no affirmative action. Let's take education. Well, they, they, they do benefit from it, though. They do benefit from it. Well, that's because people want to give it to them. People want to give it to them. Right, and that's what well, we do. So if let's look at this. You're coming over here, right? Right. Look at this in your private you institution. Welcome. In your private institution, when it comes down to your your college placement test, you know they spot, right. yeah, I guess you want to call them Adolf, they spot them 312 points before they even sit down 
to take the SAT test. The Asians, they deduct 140 points, and they spot Hispanics about 270, I think. Whites, they don't get anything. So Africans don't have to do that. 40% of your black males in your Ivory League colleges are, they don't even go there. They don't go there. Well, they are going to HBCUs. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. There is a benefit. I get what you're saying, but there is a benefit that they do have, and also you have them. Also, you have countries backing them up. So I, I you know I, what percentage of so your black doctors yeah. are Nigerians? Guess. A lot. A lot. Seventy. About seventy. About seventy-two percent. <laughs> right. Right. Eight if you put have been given that chance. I think. I think that you have a well, year, no, year, year, no. Year. They have been given that They have been given that chance. Uh, you know what messed that up perhaps. is the politics yeah. in your education system. I See, you don't blame the kids. You can't blame the kids. It's the education that they're not receiving. And whites don't have nothing to do with that. Nothing whatsoever. That's okay, well, I agree. Well, whites have set up a system where they know that in some senses they, they, they set up a system where they've allowed other groups to come in and be able to benefit off of things that should have been set aside for ADOC. That's because so blacks when you, when demand that they the come in. Yeah, blacks demand that they black come in. It was mm-hmm. black politicians who, the, I agree with you. Now, black, that's why groups like this are starting to spring up and say, hey, Wait a minute, we realizing that these politicians have sold us down the river. They haven't they have not benefited for like black caucus. The black caucus has not benefited black America in probably thirty years. <laughs> well, know, see they, here's they the thing too. For everybody else. The federal so, government shouldn't even be and they should dissolve the Department of Education. OSHA needs to be dissolved too, because you see how it was trying to be used as a political weapon. They was not designed for that. And really, you don't need it because companies put those safety programs in place themselves because the insurance demand that they have safety programs, and they adhere to. If they have too many accidents, that is going against their record. And when time comes to renew policies and pay premiums, those premiums go up tremendously. Mm. I've seen work compensation premiums in Illinois be like 140%. Those who hardly have no accidents and no a good record, there can be sixty percent of like a point six. When you get to a point one, right. you paying the highest uh, premiums. But if you got accidents, you can pay one and one and a quarter times more, like one point four, and uh, that's a heck of a record. Some companies won't even allow you on the job if you got the, uh, that type of uh, modification. So, so that's yeah, what's going point. on. But well, uh, anyway, thank you so much for calling me. I always like you have to start. You. you have to start designating the difference between uh, these black thinking groups because the black conservatives, they they just not going to be hanging with those uh, people that vote for like a Joe Biden and these Democrats. It's not beneficial for them. You supporting people that want higher taxes. You want open trade. You want open borders. Mm-hmm. That's detrimental. So why would you get involved I with think- that? Or somebody who supports that. I, I agree. I think that that Black America 
I'm not necessarily, I'm an independent. I'm not necessarily, I, I kind of like, I like a little bit of, I like a little bit of uh, certain uh, Republican thought and I like a little bit of, uh, of Democratic thought. I'm a little bit in between. But I do believe that those things have not benefited Black America. Uh, immigration, illegal immigration does not benefit Black America. Uh, open open borders, it does, it does not help for the cause. It, it, it has not helped Black America. And these were a lot of things that the Black Caucus advocated on. And it's so they're sold in some senses. So I, yeah, I, they, I do they, agree they're really totally, they some of the biggest racists you ever want to see because a Black Republican can't join the CBC, a white a white Democrat can't join the CVC like uh, Mr. Cohen there in Shelby County, Tennessee, which represents the fifth, fifth congressional district, which includes Memphis, Tennessee. He he's been reelected several times. That's who the people want. But Steve Cohen, who is white skin, cannot join the Congressional Black College. But they say whites are not allowed. Now that's racism from the highest group of people in the country, your Congress people. That is strictly racism. I Nobody say that. that. I don't do that. I, I like the Congressional Black Caucus to stay black, but I understand. I also believe that uh, that that they have to start, though, fighting for the, the on both political spectrum. Uh, they have to start fighting for the rights. Uh, of Black America because Black America, I think, has essentially been sold down the river. But thank you so much, Kiaki, for calling me. You know, All I right, like talk to you later. You. Okay, talk to you later. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I, I agree with him. Uh, you know, to certain points, uh, Adolf, I feel like it has such. Which I'm, when I say foundational Black America, Adolf, American descendants of slaves has had a different experience in America than the average immigrant, which is African, Nigerian. And when you come in here, a lot of times a lot of Africans are already, sometimes they have money. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. Uh, they have, And they get all these benefits that were also been set aside for ADOS. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to where why they're, they tend to be more successful sometimes on the, on, the, on the spectrum than we do. And part of it is uh, because we have a different experience in America than the average immigrant. I talked about this last year. There's only two groups of people who are not immigrants in America. That's Native Americans and Adolf, or Foundation of Black America. So, you know, and, and Foundation of Black America did not migrate here. We were kidnapped. <laughs> and that gave us a very different experience in, Amer- in the Americas. And it uh, doesn't mean that we don't. Uh, love America and understand that our ancestors' blood is in the soil. We definitely do. This is our this is our country. However, our experience is different from the average person who would have migrated here, who came here on the Mayflower and <laughs> and all that. And our 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 experience in America has been a tumultuous one. I mean, you know, we're just we're just coming out of uh, how many Jim Crow was just a little over 50, 60 years ago. So how has that affected my grandmother, who is still alive, and my grandfather is still alive, they, they had to sit through white water fountains and water, water fountains. How does that affect the psyche? That, those generations haven't died off, and, and those generations passed. And those generations of whites haven't passed passed on, and they pass on those ideas, but now they're more subtle. So we can't, I can't compare Africans, 
who some, especially Nigerians, when you look at it, there is an article, and I've, I, I, we've talked about this on the show. Nigerians, uh, there was a great article, I think, in the New Yorker about Nigeria, uh, my, my grandfather, the, the Nigerian slave trader. Okay. Africans participated in the slave trade, okay? <laughs> so, and some of them still live off of the wealth from the slave trade. So I can't compare their experience in America to my experience in America as, uh, as a black American. Black Americans, we are long since gone from that continent. So we, we, our, our experience is very different. Okay, so that's just my thoughts on that, okay? So let's get into these uh, other uh, uh, news. A uh, woman uh, says she poisoned her boyfriend's lemonade drink because he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> that's according to uh, India, uh, com. It says um, a woman in U.S. Florida was so fit. Florida. What the fuck are y'all drinking down there in Florida? Crazy as hell. <laughs> a woman in U.S. Florida was so fed up with her boyfriend that she allegedly poisoned his drink because he wouldn't stop talking. Was he a Gemini? <laughs> you know how they say that about these Geminis. Now, let me tell you this. My Saturn is in Gemini and my 11th house is in Gemini, which makes me a, be a talker. <laughs> so I get it, okay? <laughs> but it says, according to the police, Alvis Harris, 64, poisoned boyfriend, William Carter's lemonade with with a with the psychotic drug Cyrical on December seventh in Jacksonville. Then she called the police herself in DC reporting. <laughs> Paris yelled, uh, what is she? Oh Lord, this is this is what is she doing? Okay, listen, I'm am I losing a story? Hold on here. I don't have to tell a story. There we go. I think it went over. Okay. Hold on just a minute. I don't know what happened to my story. It went blank. It happens sometimes. This is a messy show. Y'all know this. Okay. Okay, it says, has deputies, uh, it says, Parrish yelled uh, to deputies last week from the front porch of her home, formally confessing uh, to lacing her partner's drink with the drug, according to arrest reports. As deputies got closer to her, Parrish reportedly said, yeah, I did it because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. Once she was in handcuffs, Paris was like she wasn't trying to kill Carter, but that doesn't mean she wouldn't give it another chance. Oh Lord, do whatever you want. If you don't, if you don't take me, I will kill him. She said, according to the arrest report. The deputy reported she was speaking with a slur, as if she was intoxicated. Paris also wrote down what she had done in a notebook. The report said, although it survived the incident and was taken to a nearby hospital. He reportedly told officers that he noticed his lemonade tasted off and constantly complained about being high. <laughs> Man, don't go back to her ass. <laughs> he said, I will kill him. But she's going to jail for a little bit. I mean, she's, because this is an attempted murder, because she kind of has admitted that, I, you know, I, I put some stuff in his drink because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> she's like, literally, you know, she's fed up. She's telling the police, literally, I am tired of him. I'm so tired of him. I'm confessing to poisoning his ass, okay? Hilarious. Oh, beehive. Hi. Hi, I know you're there. Hello. Oh, Beyonce this week. What's in the news with your face? 
Beyonce wants to replace Holly Berry has storms. Disney, hey, baby, come close to Disney. Because this is Disney on Marvel. I think so. Disney, I understand she owes you a lot. I understand. I understand. I understand Black is King didn't work. Or the gift. Or whatever you guys packaging it has nowadays. Two for one, I don't know. I get it. However, oh, and not to mention Lion King was a fucking hot mess. Okay. Partly because of her. Give her storm unless she asks, unless she is committed to taking acting lessons. Now, if she's committed to taking acting lessons, I can actually see this. Let be honest, I'm saying something nice. Okay? Listen, I can actually see Beyonce being stormed. Listen, I saw little tinges of acting talent in Beyonce in the movie Cadillac Records and and, 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 and I watched, uh, what's that, the Fatal Attraction type of movie they had a little while, her and Idris Elba, and I saw little tinges where I was going, oh, wait a minute, she has got something there. But she's got to work at it. She's so bad. You know, she's such, and it probably is because she's emotionless. You know, we see her as an emotionless robot all the time, you know. I don't know if she knows how to get in touch with those emotions. So we need her to take acting lessons. Otherwise, she will she will ruin a fucking Marvel flick. Like, she ruined Lion King. We could not, nobody, people mostly said they couldn't watch Lion King because Beyonce being, what was she, what was she, was she Simba? Who was she in Lion King? She was Simba. Who is she? She's a, she was a lion. She, the little part she had, it was so annoying. Simba, you're king. It was like, she was talking. Oh, God, it was, it, it was a lot because it was emotional, right? We need her to have some emotion. This is according to the internet, Travis. This is according to H. Showbiz today. The crazy and love hitmaker has reached out to Marvel's head in a bid to join X-Men when the franchise is finally coming to MCU later. Now, listen, I know she brings in the beehive. I know you guys are thinking money, okay? Now, she didn't exactly bring in the beehive for a glass of tea, okay? Remember that, the other gift or whatever, people won or whatever y'all call it. I mean, they didn't actually show up and drop. I don't know where the where's the beehive at. <laughs> I don't even know where they're at now. They, they, they didn't show up and drop. I don't know if they'll show up and drop for Marvel. So please keep that in mind when we're talking about, uh, you know, Beyonce being Storm, okay? Uh, it says, rumor has it Beyonce wants to be the next Storm who has originally played, was played by Halle Berry, according to a giant uh, freaking robot, the single lady put a ring on a hit maker, has been actually pursuing the superhero role as a power, uh, who has the power to manipulate the weather. The X-Men members are expected to come to Marvel Cinematic Universe following the era at 20th Century Fox. Now, remember, there were rumors before when she signed this big deal with Disney, because remember she signed the big deal with Disney, and a lot of people were saying part of the, the, the deal was for her to play Storm. I personally think they're trying to throw it out here now and see how we respond to it. And I'm telling Disney right now, you've already had one, one, two, oh, one. can we count the gifts as like the gift in, in Black is King is like two, even though they're the same thing? We'll count them as two. The gift, Black is King, uh, and the Lion King, and Gizmal, you know. Failure, should I say? I mean, it was under her watch. 
So, I, 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 all I'm saying, Disney, I like the idea of Beyonce look-wise becoming strong. But acting-wise, don't ruin the fucking movie. And Marvel people, you know how Marvel people are so, like, they so particular. Marvel people get real angry if you have in there somebody who can't act. They gonna they gonna they gonna just fry out. They 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 will they will just they will be angry. Okay, so Disney be very careful right here. If she is committed to doing acting lessons, yay Beyonce, come through. But if she is not committed, this is gonna take quite a bit of acting. Have you seen the movies? I'm going to sound like I'm bidding sisters against each other again, okay? I'm going to sound like this. And I know y'all think I'm doing this, but I'm not. I actually like Solange's Storm. Solange is the actress. And she wants it. Not so much. But Solange is a better actress. I actually like Rihanna has Storm, too. Ooh, Rihanna would make a great Storm. I can't go behind. I know you're mad. I'm checking into the room out again. I've got my key. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But Beyonce's acting is so fucking terrible. I cannot approve of her being stormed yet until she gets some really serious lessons. Okay? Okay. But good luck to Beyonce, okay? See, see, I could be nice. Y'all real mad at Jennifer Gardner in these streets. I mean, not Jennifer Gardner, Ben Affleck. And, you know, listen, I don't understand why everybody's so upset with Ben Affleck, okay? Because, listen, Ben, ben told his truth on Howard Stern, okay? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't sensitive, but he told his truth. And I suspect it's the Molly Ringwald effect of you. Now, some of my listeners are going, what is the Molly Ringwald effect, Carlotta? The Molly Ringwald effect is this. Remember the old Molly Ringwald movies? I used to love them. Pretty intense. The Sweet 16. But they were all about this average-looking white girl who used to get, like, you know, the jocks to like her or the, you know, the, the, you know, I loved Molly Ringwald. It was always the average girl next door getting the guy who was way out of her league to get her. Molly Ringwald played those roles to a hip, right? And I feel like today white women still have the Molly Ringwald effect when they when they love certain ones. Like Jennifer Gardner is a Molly Ringwald. Jennifer Anderson, a Molly Ringwald. Angelina Jolie, not so much. Glamorous, extra beautiful, extraordinarily beautiful. Don't like her too much. But they love the Molly Ringwald. Jennifer Gardner is a Molly Ringwald who gambled outside of her league for a Ben Affleck. No, no, no. It's not that I don't think Jennifer Gardner is pretty. Yes, but in an average sort of way. She rolls a fucking dice for a Ben Affleck. And there is a price when you roll the dice. Can we talk about it? <laughs> of 
According to page six, Jennifer Gardner's pals trash Ben Affleck causes comments disgusting. Jennifer Gardner has helped her ex-husband Ben Affleck through his much publicized addiction issues, reportedly staging an intervention and even driving him into rehab. Now sources around the actress are furious that Affleck aired his frustrations about their marriage to Howard Stern this week and blamed their troubles for his alcoholism. It's disgusting one industry insider who knows uh, both Affleck and Garner well, uh, well said of the actor's comments. Jen has been the only one picking him up time and time again when he's done horrible things, falling off the wagon or worse. Jen stood by him because she loves him. This is the mother of his children. Another well-placed source told Page Six, anyone who knows addict behavior knows how untrue those comments could be for any addict, but particularly Jen. It's one of the first uh, tenets of AA, not to place the blame for your disease. Okay, here we go. Affleck 49 told the Stern that I probably still would, would, would have been drinking had he stayed with Garner. And part of why I stayed drinking was because I was trapped in the marriage. That's a very true statement. Okay, listen, the root of people's, it doesn't mean that's his complete root, but he's saying, hey, the marriage, I was so unhappy in it. And it's nothing personal to Jennifer, but I was so fucking unhappy because, you know, being Affleck is probably a hoe out in these streets. Really, that's his natural habitat, I believe. Okay? And so Jennifer Gardner is just that plain, purebred, Hollybred white girl. You know what I'm saying? Molly Ringwald effect. Okay? And y'all relate to her more because of that. You don't relate to Angelina Jolie because she's so beautiful, but you relate to Jennifer Gardner because you're like, I could be Jennifer Gardner. So what happens is Jennifer Gamble for being athletic. And she ended up biting off more than she can chew. Can I say what I think happened? It's my personal opinion. I used to talk. Opinion. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody got them. Okay? But I'm just saying my personal opinion what happened with Jennifer Barton. Now, allegedly, Jennifer was coming out of a marriage. Allegedly, wasn't she? I don't know how that story goes. It kind of looked at something like that. And I like Jennifer Gordon. I've heard her do interviews. I've seen her in person. She came to my church one time. I like her. But Jennifer Gardner was like the husband I think that she had before being asked. kind of looked like more her, more her speed. But Jennifer Gardner has an edge to her that nobody sees, you know, that edge, okay? And it's kind of attracted to a boy, bad boy like being athlete. Fucking out of her age. Kind of attracted to it, right? So Jennifer introduced Ben Affleck, in my opinion, to this edge girl, this little bit of edge girl probably that was there. Right? And Ben Affleck kind of fell for her. It was like, oh, yeah, I like her because she has a little bit of motherly charm, you know. Because remember, Ben Affleck is a hoe out in the streets. Hoes love a mother. They love a nurturer, okay? <laughs> so you got to be careful when you have a nurturer and energy. Men who are hoes always kind of want to settle down a little bit because they feel your nurturing energy with, a, with you know, they want to come and ruin your life. You got to be careful. But Jennifer was for the ride because Jennifer realized she was kind of edgy and probably showed them a little bit of her edge. Now, the problem that happened is when Jennifer, in my personal opinion, when she probably started having babies and started having a family, well, conservative Jennifer probably came back in the play, right? You know, some of that shit they were probably doing it to single people is so just like, you know, Ben, I mean, can you take the kids to school today? Uh, ben, 
it being like, hey, what are we going to do for the weekend? Let's have a date night. I'm just saying, this is my alleged. This is this is called out of theory one-on-one, okay? Alleged. My alleged thoughts about him. Being probably come and say, hey, babe, let's have a weekend out. Let's go, let's, let's go fly to the such and such and do this and that. And then, and then it's like, oh, I, I thought we would spend, you know, this weekend with the kids watching, uh, what's the good thing? What's the little ice? What's the little uh, freeze or whatever? <laughs> The little ice cream and, and being probably in this head, like, how, the, how many fucking times we got to do this? I mean, she, do you guys get what I'm saying? She probably became more and more motherly and nurturing and wanting to be more and more of a solid family when being Affleck was never that shit in the first place. Being Affleck always got to have a little bit of excitement in his life. Because he's originally a whole problem in these streets, a problem, a legend. Okay, so he got to, you got to keep a dude like that. You got to say, you can be the motherly type, but you got to put your freak flag on it a little bit every now and then. You got to say, okay, I understand. I done, I done bought, I done, I, I'm with a hoe up in these streets. You know, he, he's a former hoe and he's trying to be faithful and loyal to me. So I got to bring out the hoe girl every now and then. I got to put these kids to the back. And I got to put conservative ass Jennifer to the back. But I think what happened is Jennifer started trying to be a white wife. Like, you know, she started, she started trying to be like, you know, the typical average everyday nurturing oh, wife taking care of the kids, doting on the kids. She's taking boring roles in movies. And he got bored. She's like, I'm bored. I got, I'd rather have a drink. Damn it, I'm bored. We see these damn cartoon kids times in a row now. I don't want to spend another weekend with her and the fucking kids. I don't want to go get my freak on with my wife and leave these kids alone. I'm just saying what may have happened. Okay. I am bored. <laughs> and Jennifer's like, oh, honey, this, she's trying to be the average girl, and she's forgetting about the edgy girl got him. She pretended to be. The price is high for being an athlete. Ladies. See, J-Lo can play that fight. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let's go talk about Jennifer Lopez. Now, with Jennifer Lopez, he does not get stability, okay? Because he likes the, the, the stability and stuff that comes from freaking Jennifer. Because Jennifer has balance, okay? But the problem is she went too far over. Right, she started too fucking like getting probably. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying this is what happened. This is my personal opinion. She probably went too far over into being mommy and wifey and everything like that. And she didn't have no longer that edge like a J Lo though. J Lo's constantly in that edge now, which he might not like. He might not stay with for long. He needs a girl that has a little bit of both. You know what I'm saying? Who can be a mama? Know when the time to be a mama, but it, it be it be good too. The kids are nurturing, nurturing to him. But also know when it's whole time. You know when it's time to be a, his his freak flag. Be fun and be you know go for the weekend. All of these kids love. Hell with these kids. Where we going, baby? You, you, you know what I'm saying? He needs that. Okay, he needs a little bit of that. If uh, other than that, he's gonna get bored. So that's why he's over there with Jennifer Lopez right now because Jennifer Lopez is that chick. Jennifer Lopez is going to always be an exciting, fun time. She's a Leo. <laughs> what is Jennifer Gardner? What is Jennifer? I think it was Jennifer. She's a Taurus. Okay, yeah. 
You see, you see what I'm saying. You see what I'm saying. You know, Tauruses, they just like comfort, eat food. You know, they don't want to work too hard when they ain't working. <laughs> no, she's an Aries. She's not a Taurus. She's an Aries. Oh, my God, which is very interesting. Okay, she's an Aries. So that's probably where that little edge comes in, okay? Oh, wow, I thought she was a Taurus Aries. So very interesting. I, you know, listen, I just feel like she gives that mothering, nurturing off way too much, and Ben Affleck got fucking bored, and he's telling his truth. And why are y'all get mad? He probably got to drink him because he was bored in the marriage. I'm bored. Bored, and if I stay in this marriage any longer, I'm going to be drinking more. <laughs> hey, her fault. That's not personal. It's just the energy he could not handle as a man. It's nothing personal to Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Gardner was trying to do all the right things. But for his energy, she does not fit. Now, I don't also believe Jennifer Lopez does either. I think Jennifer's too much of a good time. I think he needs to even kill balance. You know what I'm saying? To help him. And I think Jennifer, he would still be with Jennifer Gardner to this day had she probably not got so wrapped up into the idea of just family, like just being a family and kind of, that's just my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong, but that's just how I see it from the outside, okay? Uh, and listen, girls, and this is, we can't really talk about this in a minute here. What it says, I want, he said, I want to thank you uh, for working on our marriage for 10 Christmas, Affleck said at the podium. It's, it's, it's good. It's work, but it's the best kind of work, and there's no, no one I'd rather work with. Uh, Gardner, now 49, was then uh, seen looking stony face as she joined husband at the prestigious Vanity Fair badge at the Sunset Tower Hotel following work two years later. The couple announced their divorce. Okay, and I think it's because, you know, she she got, I just feel like she turns into a mother. And she didn't realize the, 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 the edge that got in there. There is always a price when you pay for former hoes, okay? You, can't, you know, to get the bad boy, girls, you know you're going to pay a price. Right? Even as you get older, you still have to, there has to be an edge about you, a nostalgia about you that keeps the bad boys, uh, even as he gets older and ages, attention. You can't be the average older woman. You've got to be a little something dynamic. Jennifer, even as an older woman, is something dynamic a little bit. Okay? She's not born. I'm not saying be Jennifer Lopez. I'm saying you can get what has happened there, what looks like it has happened. Okay? Which we don't already talk about, Lala. I mean, what's her name? Just me. I'm not, because see, I'm running out of time. I got so much to talk about. I got so much to talk to y'all about. So I'm going to skip some of these stories, and I'm going to save some of the real juicy stories for this week. I'm gonna, We're going to talk about Britney Spears. Maybe I'll save Britney Spears if I don't have time, because I got to get to Deion Sanders and Alicia Keys. So let's start with Deion Sanders first before I go into Alicia Keys. I wanted to go into Alicia Keys right after Jennifer Garner, but the story's kind of similar, so I, I better stay. I'm going to go with, let me go with Deion Sanders first. Deion Sanders, Brittany Rayner would have saved me $20 million. Uh, this is according to New York Post. It says Deion Sanders believes he'd be a $20 million wealthier, wealthier if he had heard Brittany Rayner's life advice when he was in college at Florida State. During a recent chat with Raina on his podcast, 21st and Prime, Sanders said he wished he had heard her advice sooner. Let me tell you something. If I hadn't heard in my ears, Sanders said, according to Carry On Ledger, 
if I had been sitting in that room in, at Florida State and I had her her come and lay it all out like uh, like she laid it out, it would have uh, had, if I would have had that, I would be at least $20 million richer. Back in October, Sanders invited uh, Rainer to speak at Jackson State uh, football team. The Instagram personality, who is an alum of Mississippi HBCU, explored the topic of transactional relationships. Rainer warned the players to be vigilant about hitching their wagons to someone who was there for a good time but pleased at the first fight of adversity. Is that what she said, Dion? They would have saved you $20 million. <laughs> when Rainer responded, oh, really, to Sanders' comments on his podcast, the NFL just delved into great details. Yeah, because of the game, Sanders said, because everything she elaborated on, I would have been more prepared for the game of life. I was prepared for the game of football, but none of that other game because I was so locked in. And then I misconstrued what love and some women were. If I would have had that, I promise you at, at least 20, at least 20 million richer because of the divorces, the lawyer fees, all the bull junk that I've gone through as a man, okay? Sanders 54 has two marriages, both which is ending divorce. Rainer, meanwhile, has had a publicly tumultuous relationship with Charlotte Hornets forward P.J. Washington, Last month, Rainer opened up about her ill-fated romance and denied recent allegations that she had a child with Washington to bamboozle him for money. Okay, this will be one. Okay, let me see if we can play a little bit of Britney talking to. You have this.
Okay, you guys, we had a little bit of technical difficulty. I'm back now. Okay, what I was saying about Brittany Rayner, no offense to Brittany Rayner, but the only game that she got just now is getting Deion Sanders, crazy ass, to bring her in to lecture them young men, uh, to lecture these young men about basic shit. She's got an uptick on the lecture market. The women you really want to get is women like Chloe who talk on YouTube about hypergamous, the hypergamous high. Listen, gold diggers, real gold diggers, work they salt. First of all, they don't like to get pregnant. They want, they not right away, not without the marriage. Because gold, real gold diggers go after, go after the last name and the estate. Instant bitches go after pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> And that's a good key, but that's that's basic shit. You you can heal that easily by not putting on a condom, wrapping up. Man, damn, you are engaged. Oh oh oh, am I about to start some trouble right here? What I'm about to say here? Deion Sanders is engaged to Tracy Edmonds. This hell, I think she write a book. Tracy Edmonds, remember Tracy Edmonds started off as a video? Yeah, I heard she was in real estate. Uh-uh. She wasn't noticed until she got with Babyface. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I mean, she was, yeah, she might have been doing some real estate and little stuff here. But see, baby, uh, 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 Tracy Edmonds, Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, was uh, one of the women I think is so dope. Listen here, okay? Tracy Edmonds was a video chick. She auditioned for Babyface video. I got a role or something in Babyface's video and end up getting sick, right, and end up not being able to get in the video. But then about a couple of months later, she's just so happy to run into Babyface again. Hmm. <laughs> and Tracy Edmonds' life has never been the same since. Tracy Edmonds, that half of Mary Babyface, if she upscaled Babyface to, she put him in the movie, she started producing movies, this is here, she was producing music. This, you talk, if we don't talk about gold, I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but she definitely ain't messing with no broke niggas. I'm talking about Tracy Edmonds, okay, who married Eddie Murphy <laughs> for a day on an island, allegedly, out in these streets. I'm talking about Tracy Edmonds, who probably took half of Babyface catalog money with her when she left out the doubt. You're talking about Brittany Rayner, who's dating Deion Sanders now. <laughs> I know you ain't talking about Brittany Rayner up in here talking about, you're bringing her to lecture the boys. Man, you got it twisted. You got the game twisted, Deion. <laughs> Brittany Rayner, they could see her ass coming from a mile away. She came into the, listen, she came into the lecture with booty shorts on. You think them Negroes didn't see her ass coming a mile away? Now, the fact that them Negroes want to get her pregnant is lack of self-control. Okay? It don't got nothing to do with them being dumb. It doesn't got nothing to do with you being dumb. Brittany Rayner is, you can see her. Every man can see her. You can't see Tracy. <laughs> he's he gonna go get Brittany Rayner to lecture these chicks, and he's up here married to Tracy Edmonds. I mean, engaged to Tracy Edmonds, ass, one of the biggest players in the game. Oh, when I look up hypergamous high, I see Tracy Edmonds with a smile on her face. 
when I look at my Pergamus Hive, I see uh, Aisha Curry with a smile on her face. I see a number of women. I mean, we can, we can, we can do this. We can do this all day. This is, women are naturally hypergamous anyway. Women are supposed to want men who are building, okay? But if you really want to understand, a lot of, you know who the real, a lot of them white girls that be marrying? Yeah. Those figures. <laughs> With wealthy daddies adding to the wealth. Oh, real gold diggers, uh-uh, real gold diggers don't run around like Brittany Rayner trying to get pregnant real fast. That's not how they do. Dion, you're sadly mistaken. You've gotten the gold digging game twisted. That's basic shit game, basic whole game, basic hood shit, hood gold digging one-on-one that Brittany Rayner's doing. That's a girl looking up. She real pretty, and she done lucked up on one of these ball players and got them the nut in her, and she done got them to get, that's a, that's basic. That's a, any hood girl out here worth her salt knows that. But real gold diggers are long-term planners. That's Tracy. I'm not saying Tracy's a gold digger. I'm just saying she ain't never messed with no broke. Hey! <laughs> He's sitting up here with the... He's sitting up there with Tracy Edmonds. I bet Tracy was laughing her ass off. She's like, where did you get this girl to come see? She don't know the game. The game is Tracy. And I'm not dogging because I think a real goat, listen, let me just say this, okay? And men are going to get upset about this. But true gold diggers, or platinum diggers or whatever you call yourself, gold digging is hard. Remember, think about what the gold diggers did in the California, during the California thing, they were digging for gold, okay? They had strategy. When they moved to these places to find gold, it was a strategy, Okay. Real women who are about that life got strategy. They unknown, unseen. They move differently. They don't move like the Britney Rainers of the world. You dudes should be able to know Britney Rainers by now. Basic shit. And if you get caught up with somebody like Britney Rainer who's having babies and stuff like that, it's because you lack self-control and you fail to use a condom, Negro. What's up with that? Shit. But she was saying, oh, everybody wants to be with you. Everybody blah, 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 blah. Everybody, blah, blah. That's 101. <laughs> no, the ones you have to be paying attention to, it, it, it really is not a bad thing to be a gold digger in some ways because real women who are gold diggers are very, very intuitive. They they understand the game. They understand the move. They're not too emotional. They're not too, uh, they're not, they're not they're just enough, you know, they, it's not really gold digging. I'll say that I like the better word is hypergamous. Women who are playing the and most women play the hypergamous game. A lot of women just don't know how to win at it. But there are women who win at hypergamy, like Tracy Edmonds. Tracy Edmonds is a hypergamous. She has not messed with. I ain't seen Tracy mess with no regular dude since babyface. She been messing with regular. She go back. She go back down and get Joe Blow, Bobo, Boo Boo Hill. No, she did not. <laughs> She continued the storm. She spoke to, she, 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 she went to Eddie Murphy, and then she's down there with Deion Sanders. And now, you know, I think the reason why she's staying with Deion like that is because she's older now. Deion's probably good sex for an older man. She's settled. She ain't got to get married no more. I mean, here nor there. You know, I got this money. I got my money. I'm chill. I got two kids with my face 
who got a hell of a catalog, I'm good. <laughs> oh, you're talking to the wrong one, Dion. You had the wrong one give a speech at uh, Jackson, whatever Jackson State. Shoot. Pretty rain range. Yo, 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 this is that crazy. Dion, Dion's out here in these streets playing. <laughs> Dion, you know games. Dion knows that Dion was married to Pilar and the first wife. Now, the first wife, I think, was more a little bit sincere because she had been with him since, like, years for years. Now, Pilar, I'm not saying Pilar wasn't sincere and didn't love him. I'm saying you coming up into a little bit more of the hypergamy game. And you want a woman who understands. You don't want a woman that's more in the bum. Okay? So I understand hypergamy a little bit, but... Dion understands that. Dion, Dion, does he, Dion is still thinking on the hood level, right? He's thinking that girls like Brittany Rayner are the are are the danger. No, no, no. <laughs> Not only girls like Brittany Rayner, it's those really well-to-do girls who walk away with half a half a baby face's catalog. <laughs> oh, let me stop. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then managed to land Eddie Murphy afterwards. And then manages to land you. <laughs> oh, well, let me stop. And I like Tracy Edmonds because I think she is one chick who took being married to Babyface. That's what you want in a wife. I actually like her. She took being married to Faith, which is what few women are able to do. And she created a lane for herself. That helped her start producing movies like Soul Food and everything. She started creating a lane. She created a lane for herself in the music industry. She used, she let faith. That's what you're supposed to do. A, a man is supposed to uplift his, the, the, the wife. And Tracy took full advantage of that shit. Okay? Yeah. Now, Tracy knows the game. Brittany Rayner does not. Okay. But Brittany Rayner, let me say, shout out to Brittany Rayner, because you got these fools to get you up on the lecture circuit. You better be doing lectures all around here, girl, with this basic shit. Tell me, use these lectures. You need to be going all around. These white schools are hired. You need to go all around talking and stuff. I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, just don't get a test to someone who's not there for you during the hard times. <laughs> get your speeches together, Brittany. Toast to you for letting Dion, for, for getting Dion to get you in there and do a lecture. When the whole time he married to the game. I mean, he's dating the game. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. You got to love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, Swiss beat. Speaking of the game. Oh, Swiss beat said, y'all need to stop it. Don't try to mess up his bag. Okay, stop it, you people out here talking about he's cheating on Alicia Keys. You know, that shit people been hearing for years. But I digress. Oh, mate, even though she got him from another woman he's married to, that's his soulmate. Stop lying about Lala out these streets. <laughs> Oh, should we end it with the story today? Oh, we're going to end it because I got so much more to talk about. Oh, my God, we got to have a part two. Part two is intimate. Got to happen. 
imminent. What is it? Imminent? Am I saying it right? Yes, it's about to happen. Okay. Swift beat this week. Oh, shout out to uh, Jones. She's coming back in. She's trying. Hey, Miss Jones is coming back in. She's dropping tea everywhere, okay? Swift beat seemingly responds to reports that he had an affair with Lala Anthony. Is this too far-fetched for me to believe? No, not the fuck at all. <laughs> but it says, uh, this is according to Hot97.com. It says, radio personality Miss Jones alleges that she heard a rumor that Swiss Beats was having an affair with Lala Anthony. We got the video up. Let's hear her tell the story. I think we got the video. Is the video up of Lala, of, of Lala, Miss Jones telling the story? We need to let Miss Jones tell the story because she tells it so animated and so well. Um, let's see if I can pull up the story with her telling it. So you guys can hear it. And I think, is that going to be my last story for the day? I think it is. You got to get the story up. Okay, let's see. Okay, here. Uh, and we'll say Britney Spears uh, and more for the next show, okay? So, so I know I keep putting off Britney Spears. I know you guys keep telling me I keep putting off Britney. I put her off last show, okay? But trust me, we'll, we'll, we'll get it on the uh, on the uh, next one. Uh, but this one, let me see if I can get uh, the, uh, that up where she talks about, okay. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get up where Miss Jones tells the story. We got where the audio is known. So think that thing here. Huh? Okay. Essay. So it says that he also shared a screen fight and him playing his wife during Lala on her newest album, Keys, and wrote, This is the only Lala I'm rocking. Now go get the Keys out. Now, to me, now, that brings up a whole nother set of, of, of interesting things that she did a song called La La Cat. And I ain't got, you know, because you know the rumors out here to be about these streets. I ain't saying it. I'm just saying y'all know the rumors out here to be out in these streets. Okay. So uh, maybe it wasn't Swiss Beats that was rocking the La La. <laughs> oh, maybe I start with this more rumors out here. I'm not saying that, that, that. I'm just saying that's what y'all be saying out in these streets. Okay. So let's see. Uh. I can't find this audio. Let me get it here. Oh, my God. I want to get it before the show's up. Now, I don't believe that rumor that that came from, uh, that that just came from anywhere. I I actually believe there may be some, you never know. I mean, and and the reason why I say this with Swiss Beat, because Swiss Beat is another one, okay? He is another hefty price, okay? He has had a come up since messing with Alicia Keys, okay? Yes, I know he was a video. I know he's a producer, a music producer, but he hasn't had a, a solidness like he has gotten with Alicia Keys, okay? Alicia Keys has given him a sense of a, a kind of a little bit of a, a – she's kind of upped his game a little bit. Like, Beyonce kind of upped Jay-Z. 
So I, I, all I'm saying is that Alicia Keys paid a hefty price for this bad boy, Swiss Beast. Okay, he's out of her league. He is. You can't, you can't tell that Swiss Beast is out of Alicia Keys' league. Come the fuck on. Y'all know he is. Okay, let's stop. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying he's an edgy boy. Okay, he seems like he's an edgy boy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't mean that Alicia Keys don't got a little bit of air to her because I think she does, but I think that she wanted to gamble on some good dick, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he got good dick, but for her, what's good dick, okay? And so she said, you know, I'm going to take this chance because I like it. I'm, I'm liking what I'm having here, right? And I know what his reputation is out here in these streets. I know that he got a wife right now, but damn it, I'm stealing his ass. I got to, I got to, but she don't understand that he come with a hefty price. Price might be high. His price might be that he a hoe out in the street. I'm not saying that he's a hoe. I'm just saying it could be. But so listen. So let's listen to a little bit of this. Let's get this up. Can we got in here? So when we first launched the reunion show, somebody that claims to be working in Swizz's camp reached out to me in what I now know is a DM via direct messenger, right? I work with Swizz, and I need you to know that him and Lala have been having an affair. They're madly in love with each other, but he is already told like. Okay, let's keep this in here. We didn't write really listen to it. Here we go. The problem, I mean, you, Lala, and your husband. Oh, that's a little problem. Okay, all right, so wait, that story, that story, that story. Okay, go ahead. Because I have this for an entire year, right? So when we first launched the reunion show, somebody that claims to be working in Swiss's camp reached out to me in what I now know is a DM via direct messenger, right? Somebody, 
your career, it's like what happened with the baby and that girl. What's that girl's little girl name? The baby girl? His girl, like the baby, her, his career went up and her shit went down because she's too busy. She was trying to keep up to pay for him. And his ass is healthy ass price. He's a, he got four baby mamas out here. He's, he was a hoe out in these streets. And she, Danny Lee, that's what their name is, was trying to spend, spending too much time trying to keep his ass, right? She was spending, trying to, she's spending all her energy on that instead of focusing on her fucking career. She's trying to keep him out here from these hoes, but she couldn't do that. And maybe, that's Alicia Keys' problem. I finally think, shit, maybe it ain't the, that she, she the mute. maybe you're trying to keep his ass from Lala. <laughs> oh, we got it backwards here. Or somebody else messing with Lala. Because he didn't write the song about Lala's ass. He ain't sing a whole song about Lala's ass, okay? If it's allegedly about Lala. Okay? Okay. Let's go and break. Let me see if I can do this in the overdrive. Just a little bit of it in overdrive. For those of you... <laughs> Thank y'all for hanging out with me. Listen to the show. We were go- we're gonna pick up on part two. I'm gonna do a little bit more of this Alicia Keys thing over in the overdrive, talking about her and Swiss Beat. Pick mainly up on it on the part two show, okay, you guys. But thank you for listening to me this week. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm out. I will see y'all next uh, during the week. Happy holidays. I'm out. Okay, let's leave out with uh, this Christmas. Donnie Hathaway. I'm out. See y'all. <laughs> Hang all the mistletoe. I'm gonna get to know you better. This Christmas, and as we trim the tree, how much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas Fireside blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be a very special Christmas From me And cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you Alright, if you are listening to the sound of my voice You are listening to the archive show Thank you guys for listening to me every week Like you do, I appreciate it so much Remember you guys, please Check out the Michael Silas interview that I did at the beginning of this show. It's very important that we get his story out there. And if we can help injustice anywhere, you know, let's do it, you know. And let's help this young man. Please pass along the story so that other people can hear his story and that we can get out the word about this unfair sentencing. Because he's just the beginning, okay? Okay, you guys can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up at C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72 on Twitter. You can hit me up on Instagram at Carly's, Carly's underscore Galaxy at, on Instagram, okay? So those are ways you can hit me up. And remember, for Michael Silas, it's, ju- it's uh, justiceformichaelsilas.com.
time, okay? I, if you got also go back into the beginning of the archives to make sure to get that, uh, you can get the spelling of that and everything, okay? So make sure that you guys, and if you want to interview Michael, that's how you can go through the, uh, that way also. And I will put for, for the bloggers who have been listening to this show, our podcasters, uh, I, I'll put up um, – I'll put up this show in, in uh, Blog Talk Radio and our, our Blog Talk thing, a radio network thing, so that people can uh, get in touch with me or anyone who would like to interview him and talk to him about his story. All right, you guys, we were talking about Lala Anthony and Swiss Beats, and I was saying that the price was just a little, Swiss Beats was, uh, is, is a lot. Like, he's a lot. He seemed like he had a lot to pay for. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's had it smooth with Alicia Keys. But Alicia Keys ass is Alicia Keys ass is the reason the music so bad that she working over fucking time to try to keep his ass out of La La Sing. It happens. Shit, sometimes you pay. Look, Will, 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 Will Smith, Will Smith, what Will Smith? Will Smith paid the price. She's high. She's high. She's high. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing wrong with Jada being high. Jada is a cost. Okay. Jada is a fucking price. And we was we was willing to we was, we was paying the price. He's paying I I'm a I I'll open my marriage up in these streets. Uh I'll do a lot because I just like Jada's ass, okay? And screw all y'all that don't that don't understand that. <laughs> Even if she embarrassing my ass out in these streets, I don't give a shit. I like Jada, okay? Now, it's it's Alicia Keys doing this with Swiss Beats. Or is it that Lala, it's like Lala, maybe that's someone else in this relationship that's having a, a relationship with Lala. I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. Maybe maybe they hit up Miss Jones to throw people off the scent. I don't know. I ain't saying. That, I'm, just throwing, I'm just throwing ideas out here. But I don't think Miss Jones comes across information like that just, you know, Cause there's been rumors out in the streets, there's been rumors. I'm not saying they true, but they've been out here, okay, about you. And maybe your ass sister, you know, everybody, you know, tonight, you know, say for instance, you know, I mean, you get single out in these streets, okay, and you get, are you single? Are you a single young lady out in these streets and stuff? And you get a shot at Lenny fucking Kravitz. Y'all know how much I love Lenny Kravitz, right? I think you fine. You got a shot at Denzel Washington. That's who I would say. Denzel Washington. I'd risk it all for Denzel. Yes, my husband knows I'd risk it. Denzel. Denzel, the most beautiful man in the world, even as older me. <laughs> okay. I understand that Denzel is going to cost his money. Even old, old ass Denzel going to cost me. <laughs> Why? Because he's still valuable out of these things. So I might have to beat back some hoes. I might have to beat back Paulette's ass. Paulette's ass. <laughs> it is what it is. It's going to cost me something out in these streets. If I get with Liddy Kravitz, if you get with Liddy Kravitz, you will see her out there. Liddy Kravitz come knocking at your door. You're like, oh, Liddy Kravitz is knocking at my door with his fight ass. You know. Okay? You know all the hoes out there that won't leave me. Including these models and shit like that, you know there's gonna be a price. Oh, this any fucking forever gonna cost me. I'm gonna have to beat back some hoes for a while before I get him tanked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is what it is. 
Sometimes you got to ask yourself about the cost. Is it worth the cost? Is it is it worth? Do I take Lenny Kravitz? Do I take do I take something more simple and more calm and who don't bring me headaches and don't bring me a lot of hosa? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of y'all would take Lenny Kravitz, right? So this is Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys is like, you know, this. Swiss probably took her somewhere. I'm not saying that Swiss is a cheater, but I'm saying if he's a cheater out in these streets, but there's been rumors about this, if he's a cheater out in these streets, well, we understand what happened. We understand that many, I mean, that Swiss is a cost to Alicia. And now I understand why the music is taking a while to come to get all the way right. Now I understand why Alicia has been subpar because she's you. Maybe she's using all her energy to keep Lala off his ass, okay? <laughs> I got to keep this bofo away from Lala's ass. I got to keep, see, she did with Jennifer Gardner. That's why she's going on them trips. You know, she be on them trips and on a yacht with 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 with, with Swiss, and she be out out there and stuff. Because so she's trying to keep her man. Jennifer Gardner probably should have went on a few yachts. <laughs> Oh, my God, what a messy show. This is a messy show, a messy-ass show. Now, I'm not saying that she's going to keep you with I'm just saying that sometimes you got to pay a price, okay? Now, everybody, he still might be out there holding with Lala allegedly in these streets. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> or somebody else either. I won't say who that is. Yeah, we'll talk about this in part two, okay? Two will come, and we will talk about part two. Let's talk about the price of Swiss beats. Do we talk about that? <laughs> we'll talk about part two. We'll talk about this. No, really, this is just a rumor. Swiss beats has said the only Lala he's rocking is his wife's son called Lala. <laughs> That's all we can end it at, right? But... I say it explains a lot. If you are having an affair with Lala, now I understand why her music is so, why Alicia Keys' music is being so shitty. Because Alicia's out here trying to keep you out of Lala's cookie cat. Okay, now I get it, girl. You trying to pay the piper. Because it's high. It's a high cost to have Swiss. Mashonda tried to let your ass know when she was standing in that mansion. Remember on the reality show, Mashonda was standing in that bed. <laughs> This show is, I'm not going to have no friends. I stopped. I will stop today. I done, I done, I done, I done went off on every powerful post. I done went off on Beyonce. I had to take my ass and the Ramada in. Now I'm messing with Swiss Beats and Alicia. Let me shut my ass up. Oh, Swiss and Alicia, I wish y'all the best. I'll so much out here out of the street. i see y'all. <laughs> we out, y'all. See y'all for part two this week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I'm out. We leave it out with... Uh, with Christmas stuff, all right, Kelly. I forgot to play our Kelly. See y'all. Bye. Come inside, the world is cold. I'll cuddle you and love you so. Open arms waiting for you. Girl, just calling them there for you. I've got plans tonight You in the schedule to fly So let us take us right off from this room